This episode is brought to you by HP Instant Ink. No one is reading your mind, but HP Instant Ink knows when your printer is running low and sends new cartridges before you run out. So you never have to think about ink. For details, visit hp.com slash instant ink Spotify. Conditions apply. Hello everyone, and welcome to Chapter Tactics, your 40k podcast which focuses on playing warmer 40k competitively at all levels of the game. I'm your host, Mr. Petey Pob, and with me I have the wonderful Stats Master the Falcon, Peter. Ooh, hello! Uh, he's from Canada, if you didn't know, eh? <laughs> uh, and the one, the only encyclopedia of 40k knowledge himself, Mr. Sean Morgan. Sitting up on the rough. Uh, Alright guys, I'm super excited for this episode. We've only got three of us, but that's okay because the stats we're going to be talking about is going to speak for itself so much that it is our fourth guest of the episode. That's right, it's the stats episode. We're going to talk about all the stats that Peter has gathered on 40kstats.com and from the Best Coast Pairings app and, and anywhere else he could find them. On all of the lists that have been played in 40k since the LVO. So this is the mid-season roundup. It's June. It's the middle of the ITC season. We're hard. We're going hard into the summer for those tournaments, but not yet. We're going to look and see what lists are the best. And by the way, move over Castellan, Inari, Guard, and Jim Vessel's list. We're going to go over the <laughs> new dominant lists in the game. Number three will surprise you. That's your... That's your spiky bits title of the episode. Just joking, but that is that was going to be the title of this episode until I realized I'd probably just make it a little less crazy. But seriously, though, number three will surprise you. Also, we're going to talk about which factions are on top. How has every faction shifted post FAQ? And we're just going to talk about uh, you know what react to the stats. What we think is good, what we think is bad, some surprises, and should be a lot of fun. Usually these episodes are. I'm very excited. Uh, and also Games Workshop, if you're listening, these are the models that people are buying. So we're going to tell you what models people are buying. People aren't buying. Uh, I, I mean, I mean, we're going to tell you what models are good and what aren't good because they actually correlate there. So if you're a GW employee and you're wondering maybe what models you need the nerf or look at or sell more of, this is also a good episode for you, too. But before we get on to the episode, this episode was brought to you by the Boise Cup in Boise, Idaho, the Throne of War GT in beautiful, sunny Honolulu, Hawaii, which is actually happening this weekend. Both Sean and myself will be attending. They're a big sponsor. Uh, we're super excited to go to the Throne of War GT. Uh, I'm looking forward to hanging out on the summer beach in my blue jeans, shorts, and white tank top. I'll be hissing from underneath a sunshade somewhere. I'll make Uh-oh. sure to get a uh, boner <laughs> alert. 
I'll, I'll make I mean, sure with to all get, those uh, sexy Sean... 40k players. Yeah, <laughs> I'll make sure to get Sean a picture of Sean with the white, the white stuff on his nose. To... <laughs> yeah. uh, I'll bring, also, I'll bring sandals. My nice Hawaiian T-shirt. Yeah, socks with sandals. Socks with sandals, Oregonian. of course. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> and then finally, this episode was also brought to you by Frontline Gaming, and of course, the wonderful, amazing patrons. Uh, I did go to this a tournament this weekend. It was a blast. We'll talk about it a little bit later in the episode. Uh, but I did get to meet some patrons. I actually got to play someone who was a patron. Uh, it, was a, it was a good time. It was a lot of fun. Um, I had an absolute blast meeting you guys. So this episode was brought to you, the patrons, and this ep- every episode is dedicated to you guys. Also, a uh, new Patreon perk is going to happen after this episode. The stats we talk about in this episode will be available in the Facebook Patreon Chapter Tactics group page. So you can go in there download it take a look at it so if you like what we talk about you also like this podcast you want to give us a little love and support head on over to patreon.com slash chapter tactics where you'll be able to sign up for the facebook group and get access to all of these awesome stats and get a chance to win our monthly prize this month i still haven't decided yet whether it's going to be contrast paints or some swag from tournaments that I'm gonna I, I get this weekend. I've already accumulated a little swag, which actually does include a little bit of contrast paints. Funnily enough, um, but I haven't decided yet. So uh, you're gonna win something cool. Uh, I don't know what it is yet, but that's what you're gonna win this month. So sign up for Patreon.com if you want that. That I'm sorry, Peter. That whatever that is in the background. <laughs> Uh, it sounds like it's getting ready to detonate. It's industrial industrial work, I'm assuming. <laughs> yeah, it'd be my son deciding that to, uh, right now is the absolute right time to start stomping on the floor above my head. Stomping? That's stomping? It sounds like a drill. No, yeah, I, yeah there's some sort of fan or something is what it, what uh, I was hearing. Okay. Yeah, stomping, so, we couldn't hear at all. <laughs> so uh, um, I was going to have a quick topic before we get started, but I figured I'd make this instead. Um, every episode, I, I do clean up a lot of the audio, so you, you guys might be wondering. I don't hear anything, although possibly I might not have been able to get all of it, so you might have heard a very distant drilling in the background. Uh, but, of course, Peter does live in Canada, where it's there's two seasons, right? There's a winter and industrial season. Is that yes, also true exactly. for Canada? Okay. Winter and when everything is on fire. That's really about it. Where when I everything is on fire. There you go. And we're currently in the place where everything is on fire. So. Yeah. Uh, also, also, uh, uh, well, actually, let's just go right into the tournament coverage. So uh, this weekend, we did. I did attend the Gentleman's GT. Um, so I'm going to talk a little bit about my list, my experience, and uh, just kind of tournaments in Vegas because I feel like there's so much there's so much to offer to tournaments in Vegas and there's not enough tournaments in Vegas which a lot of the Vegas locals were kind of griping a little bit about while we were there so I'm gonna talk about that I'm also I'm definitely gonna talk a little bit about uh, Reese dropping out round one getting zero points that's absolutely fun I've got a good story for that um, but first before we begin uh, real quick my list I, I brought a night house Terran Knight gallant Elias Isodon, 27 sniper Scouts a lieutenant with a jump pack. A Relic Whirlwind Scorpius and a Thunderfire Cannon, which, by the way, are amazing. Both of them were MVPs most of the time. Um, and then a Guard Battalion with uh, a Tank Commander with the Battle Cannon and two Wyverns and some Guardsmen. So that's the list. Uh, it was a very fun list. Um, it's very gimmicky, and you might be wondering, like, what? It's a really random list. It doesn't make sense. The basic premise behind the list is I reserve one, 989 points of uh, reserves, which is the Gallant. The Sniper Scouts and Isodon, and the Lieutenant with the Jump Pack, all in reserve. 
and then the rest of the stuff on the board is all out of line of sight shooting that's meant to pick off my opponent. Um, and in the process of running this list, I've learned one very important thing, and that's if you play conservatively and if you play boring, you do have more of a chance to win more games, right? So that's something I had to learn with this list was that uh, the mostly for my path to victory was just being a very boring player, keeping everything in reserve, turn two, turn three, you know, shooting things that I can shoot at with my opponent, staying as far back as possible, just generally trying to interact with them as little as possible. So um, it's unfortunate, but um, with lists like that, and I think with lists in general, if you want to do really well, that's a good way to kind of just be conservative and kind of just play well. Um, my first game, ran, I ran into Junior Aflehi, um, who's got a triple knight list. It was a knight valiant, a knight gallant, and a knight warden. Uh, it, it was a very, very tough list for me. Uh, it's already a bad matchup for my list. And then he seized on me, which was awful. Got a turn one charge on my tank commander with his gallant. So he, he rolled a six for advance and then rolled boxcars to charge in my tank commander. Like, blew that up. And this was turn one after a seize. So from there, I went downhill very, very fast. And it all culminated with my knight gallant coming out of reserve, charging his valiant. My, you know, and I, I thought I got him. He was a little surprised too. He was like, "Oh no, the gallant's coming to kill my valiant," and the valiant proceeds to put twenty-one wounds into the gallant in Overwatch. Mm, between the, oh, it was bad. The, <laughs> the gallant's at full HP. He eats the harpoon. The harpoon is never hit against me when I play junior. He eats the harpoon, rolls the damage, <laughs> uh, gets the invuln, does eleven wounds with the gallant, and then picks up the other wounds. And then the warden, who's in hawkshot range, finishes off the gallant, the, the three wounds left on the gallant to kill it. And then on top of the get that the gallant blows up. So I'm like so when that happened, I was like, okay Junior, well uh I'm I'm definitely gonna call it at this point. So that's um that was one of those uh moments where you know, you, you kinda have to look at the dice and be like, okay that sucked. But also when a really good player with a list that does well against your list and they also get lucky. Like when the stars align like that, those kind of games are, are just something you shouldn't look at and, and really like judge yourself on. So I didn't, I didn't treat that game as a real loss. I treated it as just one of those moments that you just had to appreciate and move on from. Um, I think there was a little bit of mistakes I still could have made that I thought about, but in general, I, I chalked it up as just a loss that I, I was going to lose no matter what. And um, a, a gallant charging you on turn one is a is a thing that most lists can't recover from especially against his list in particular. So anyways, uh, round two, I played a really nice gentleman with a Custodes Land Raider and a pure Custodes list. I won't go into too much detail. I won. Uh, it was brutal, and the Land Raider did do a lot of work to the Gallant. Um, but, it, you know, it was just a rough matchup, and it, he hadn't played a game of 40k since, like, 4th edition or something, like, ridiculous. So I was like, oh, okay, well, you know, you're relatively new. Um Game three, I played against a really nice guy from Hawaii. Uh, we had a really good time. He was playing Eldar. He had a really good triple fire prism Eldar list. Uh, my solid, his solitaire charge, and I think this was kind of the the losing moment for him. So he, instead of uh, kind of staying back and whittling with my snipers, he decided his solitaire was going to go into my sniper line with Isodon and tie all of them up and kill Isodon. And he was just kind of like, like let's do this. So he went in there and I rolled nine sixes in Overwatch. Uh, Isodon rolled three sixes. Yeah, I was bad. Isodon rolled three sixes, brought the solitaire down to like one wound, and then the snipers rolled five sixes, and then on the reroll rolled another six, did like a couple more wounds to it, and killed it. And he was like, ooh. Um, and from there, it was it was bad because he didn't have he didn't set himself up to do anything else to the snipers. Right. Um, so the snipers just had a field day on him and his guardians and everything else. So 
charging it was, it was into bad. a chapter master is rough. It's rough. It like is. it's the difference between rerolling ones and rerolling everything there is tremendous. Yeah, and and that was I think that was probably his biggest mistake. Um, I played that game really well. Uh, I thought our list matched up pretty evenly. Uh, and there was a lot of back and forth and a lot of really cool interactions, and it was a really enjoyable game. Um, I think it was probably my favorite game to play. Uh, um, but, but yeah, it was just rough. Uh, and then, so I went two and one day one, and then day two, I ran into Richard Cozart of the Veteran Gamers Reenlisted uh, podcast. Check them out. They're really funny. Richard is a really great guy. So I, I actually went into this game a uh, little hungover. I got pretty drunk the night before with everyone else. Probably and, will um, never drink with me, but he'll drink with literally everyone else. It was great. I, I, I invented a drink <laughs> called the Dirty Rhino. It was a lot of fun. Um, <laughs> uh, and I will drink with you. I think I've drank with you before, Peter. I think we we drank we totally drank at the BAO. I, I, I at bit. least drank a beer. Yeah, well, I'll drink more with you in the future, I promise. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> but, um... I'm not a big drinker, so I usually don't go to tournaments and, and drink and usually go try to go to sleep early and stuff. But this time I didn't, so I was a little hungover, um, a little curmudgeonly. Um, I also was very, very... I woke up late because we didn't know the round was going to start at 9 because the previous round had started at 10. Um, so I got to the table and Richard wasn't there, but his army was there. So I got there like at exactly 9 o'clock and apparently had been waiting there for like 20 minutes. And the one time he left to go use the restroom, I got there. And so, uh, you know, when he showed up, I, I was definitely irritable and, and I was short with him and I shouldn't have been. And I apologized to him when he was like, hey, man, I thought I thought you were supposed to be like cool and fun. I was like, shit, you're right. So I apologized to him. And also when I found out I was playing Richard, I was like, crap, well, here's a really, really good player um, that my list matches up really well against. And it turned out to be a one point game. So I was absolutely correct in in my assessment that it was going to be a close game with, between a really good player that my list had a good chance of beating. Uh, unfortunately for me, Richard did end up on top. Um, he brought a, a really unique list uh, uh, in terms of a chaos list. Uh, it was 30 Zangors, a bunch of bloodletters, no plague bearers at all, uh, Demon Prince, the contorted epitome, which is probably one of the best chaos characters to come out in a long time. It's really good. Actually, no, the Lord Discordant's a thing too, so yeah, never, never mind. No, he's never mind. one of, one of. It's still quite good. Yeah, the, the contorted epitome yeah. is amazing. <laughs> Um, and then, uh, basically a couple more characters, Armon, uh, and I'm, I feel like I'm missing something in this list. Oh, and no, just a ton of cultists. Uh, so it's the kind of list that my list hmm. actually is designed to beat. So my list is designed to kill the characters, kill all the infantry squads, and then with chaos lists with low armor or no armor in their list, uh, eventually my list's goal is to defend, clear all the chaff until it's just characters left, and then my whirlwinds and all my... Um, barrage weapons basically have a field day on the characters, and I got very, very close to that. Uh, unfortunately, the game didn't go the full six turns. Um, that was both uh, him coming like five minutes late, and then me taking time to like apologize to him and us having a good chat. And so I, I definitely could have sped everything up. And it, I'm not—he didn't slow play me at all because we both played really quickly for, for most of the game. Um, it was just—it did start off a little slow, and I, I definitely should have picked up the pace because I knew I would need six turns to beat him. Um, so turn five, he he uh, Aramon basically uh, uh, goes into my tech ring gunner, and I didn't know that tech ring gunners had two wounds and not four wounds. Um, and so at that point in the game, I was winning twenty four to twenty. Um, and then his Aramon fails to kill the tech ring gunner, and I'm like, cool, I win, woohoo! Uh, but we we someone was like, hey, the tech ring gunners have two wounds. Sure enough, they only have two wounds. Um, so the tech ring gunner was actually supposed to be dead, barely. 
Um, so we killed the Techman Gunner, killed the Thunderfire Cannon, retallied everything, and it looked like a tie, 24-24. to 24. So we scored, we put that score in, uh, and then he looked at it and was like, hey, when you the Tech Marine Gunner died, that actually tied us on Killmore, so you lose that point, so uh, I lost 24-23. to 23. So we had to go back to the judges again and tell them the correct score. Uh, I... I I you know I wanted to play everything right. I was not mad at all that someone was like, "Hey, the Tech Marine Gunner has two wounds." Um, I was trying to play a very straight up game with Rich. He's a really great guy. Um, so, thanks, Richard. I'd love a rematch. That was a super close game, and thank you for the game. Uh, Should have won. I definitely made some mistakes, but so did he. So, that's just the way the dice rolled. You, and then uh, there were six rounds. You heard the, it here, uh, folks. Oh. Um, uh, there were six I, rounds in the Pablo. event. Uh, round five. So after round five, I dropped. Uh, round five, I played. I think he's. I think he's becoming my like my Mount Everest silver bullet over here because I've lost to him three times in a row so far. Uh, it really bad losses too. Mr. Jordan Roach from San Diego, a really mm-hmm. great guy. He's got the triple Caladius list, which you guys will definitely hear about a little later. There's a spoiler alert for you. Um, he had a triple Caladius uh grav tank li- uh, custodes list with a bunch of bikes um and that's pretty much the list it's it's not like jeff's list it's pure custodes and uh, let me tell you when my list runs into things with two up saves and minus one to hit i i can't win like, it's just it's so hard right so um there was a little bit of dice didn't go my way he went first so you know he killed when he needed to turn one because they're very hard to hide from uh when my knight came out it charged into a bike squad but didn't kill it after attacking twice so 30 attacks two dead bikes instead of three dead bikes which is a bit of a bummer um overall very rough game for me um then i unfortunately got tabled and lost uh, Jordan's a really good player, and um, I don't think I don't know if I'll ever be able to beat him. <laughs> I don't know. He's such a nice guy. I'm, I'm just like those Caladius grav tanks. I know they're supposed to be efficient, but his are like the most efficient I've ever seen. So they always hit with everything. They always wound with everything. Uh, you know, they're always rolled threes on their damage. It's just absolutely ridiculous. Um, but uh, yep. Yeah, so that was it. And then after that, I I wanted to spend time in Vegas, uh, kind of enjoying it because I'm, I'm always at the Las Vegas Open. I'm always working. So I never actually get a chance to enjoy Vegas when I'm out for a 40k tournament. So I, I dropped round six and went out and hung out in the hotel for five hours. Um, we stayed at the Rio. And by the way, if you're looking for a cheap alternative to stay in the Rio, to, to stay in Vegas, check out the Rio. It's across the bridge from Bally's. So it's not that far away from Bally's. Um, which I think Bally's, I think you can get free parking at Bally's. I'm not sure. Don't, don't quote me on that. They might've changed their policy, but you used to be able to park in the back behind Bally's for free. So you can go from the Rio to Bally's at the Rio. Everything's cheaper. The food is cheaper, uh, marginally cause you're off the strip technically, even though you're only across from the strip uh, and the rooms are a lot cheaper, right? So we were able to stay in a suite with like a jacuzzi and, uh, like a king bedroom. And it was like, a, it was like a little mini apartment. We were able to stay in that suite. And a price of one of those suites is the price of like a double twin bedroom at the at the Bally's. So and you know and that's kind of that's the kind of price change, price difference uh, for the Rio. And the Rio is a really great hotel too. So that sounds super that sexy. It was it was it's a really sexy hotel. It's absolutely. Uh, there's also Chippendales in there too. So mm. it's doubly doubly sexy. And then you got Penn and Teller. You got that's the trifecta of sexiness. I agree. And, Anyways, uh, and then, um, I'm, as I'm sure you guys might have heard about, uh, Mr. Rishius, the undefeated guard player, the undefeated guard list. Actually, I think he's 
he's undefeated with his guard list until this weekend. Um, if you hadn't heard already, I'm not going to lay into him too much. He's probably got a mouthful of apologies coming on signals from the front line, which you should absolutely check out. Uh, basically, uh, Reese got super hammered the night before the event. So Friday night, we got there. We all went out. We drank a little bit. I didn't drink as much day on Friday night. Um, he ended up not going to bed until like 4 a.m., showed up to the event, um, played Aurelio Correa, a really good player, was apparently beating Aurelio pretty badly, goes into his orders on his turn two shooting phase, does all the orders, gets the wombo combo, super wham bam, thank you ma'am, you know, shooting phase ready to go, goes straight to his assault phase, <laughs> completely oh, foregoing shooting, charges all of his characters into Aurelio's Bulgrin, all the characters dies, all of them, he's like, looks at him, that was stupid, and then looks at everything else, and goes, Aurelio, I forgot to charge you, and Aurelio's like, yeah, you did, man, and Aurelio was nice enough to offer him to let, to shoot anyways, and Reese was like, no, I can't do this, and so he, he hung up his boots, and um, dropped out, that was it, that was the story. I mean, to be fair, he was beaten by no man. He was beaten by uh, three to four margaritas uh, the night before, <laughs> by the sounds of things. Yeah, in in um, uh, you know, Reese's Reese's a really nice guy. Uh, don't let this, don't judge him based off of this one action. We, you know, we all get a little drunk. Reese has also been in a ton of forty k tournaments, um, where where he's not done this. So, uh, don't 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 go too crazy on him. He's my boss. I love him. You know, he just. He was just uh, enjoyed. He just wanted to enjoy himself, and he absolutely deserved the time he had, you know, in Vegas. And I think it was probably good for him as as a character um, to get out and and you know hang out at the hotel and relax, not have to worry about a tournament or anything. So I think ultimately it was all pretty cool. Um, but anyway, so that's what happened. That's the story there. Um, I don't know if I stole his thunder by telling it, but um, you know, oh well, I'll make it up to him in Hawaii. But uh, yeah, um, so so uh, anyways, that was it. That was the Gentleman's GT. It was a really really fun event. Uh, I had an absolute blast playing in it. Um, there were there were no real complaints. And for all of the event results, I would suggest taking out 40k Stat Center this week, where uh, I'm sure Peter and Val have some really awesome stuff lined up for you guys. And yep, that's it for sure. We're, we plan on recording actually a little late this week. We're going to be recording Wednesday just due to some uh, timing issues with Val and I. So it should be posted Thursday morning. Um, you can already see the results on 40kstats.com or via BCP. Um, big congrats to Richard Kilton. No spoilers, but I mean, the guy deserves uh, deserved a big win and he got one on the big stage. So I'm really, really happy for him. Possibly one of, if not the best player I've ever played against in a tournament. So I was really excited to, to see he got that win. Yeah, and and he got the the other cool thing is this was his first major win, right? Yeah. So so I don't want to spoil his list, um, though I will spoil his faction because you guys can easily look that up. Uh, orcs is orcs is what he won with. Rich Kilton is one of the best orc players, decorated orc players. Um, but he he finally won his first major and he beat the amazing Jeff in control Robinson. And and I'm not saying that sarcastically. I mean that unironically. Um, as I admitted to Jeff this weekend, uh, he is quickly becoming, or he has become probably the hottest player so far of the month, and he's easily one of the best players in the world right now. So, uh, kudos to Rich for beating a top-level player 
Um, and, you know, it's for getting his first major win. That's a big deal. All right. So were there, were there any other tournaments you guys wanted to give a shout-out to before we go on? I mean, the Carolina Crusade happened over the weekend. We, we're going to talk about it on uh, 40K Stat Center, but uh, oh. kudos to Chris Blackham for... Right on. All right, so go to 40K, listen to 40K Stat Center for all of that other tournament coverage. Okay, so let's talk stats. Peter. Yes. yes. Tell everyone what you pulled what you expected, and what your thoughts were going through when you compiled all of this data. Okay, so um, I've been collecting data now for almost, well, a year and a half. Um, And for this year, I reset everything at LVO. And my plan was, um, after the first large fact of the year, the spring FAQ, I was going to kind of uh, reset everything on the soft end. So I created a... uh, I added a filter that I only made available to everybody in the last uh, couple weeks to the 40k stats website uh, that was specifically just uh, tournaments that ran the spring FAQ. And I've been monitoring uh, the changes between uh, the the tournaments that happened pre-FAQ and post. I've collected almost 11,000 games worth of stats so far this year. there's been about 5,000 post-FAQ, about 6,000 pre-FAQ. So we're at a point now where we can really see exactly uh, what has changed and, and what's going on. Okay, right on. Uh, what do you... So, okay, so how many, roughly how many games and how many lists did you go through this time around, just between now and the LVO? Um, so like I said, yeah, about 11,000 games. And I can get you the exact number of lists here in two seconds. Is it too many? Uh, it feels that way sometimes. Uh, boop. Boop. Too many. It's never too many lists. No, it was. Have, it's never too much data. It's close to five thousand lists that I've uh, that I've I've checked out. Right on. Wow, that's that's a lot. Um, okay, so. Let's go ahead and just jump right into it. So the first thing we have in the spreadsheet uh, is the just pull it up real quick. The uh, kind of the comparisons between the factions, then their pre FAQ performance and their post FAQ performance. Uh, so right away, some takeaways are there's some there's some obviously some big winners uh, and some big losers. Uh, and I do want to give one special shout out to Grey Knights who um, are the biggest risers in percentage, total win percentage, between pre-FAQ and post-FAQ, with an 8.42% win percentage. And I know Peter has more to say on that reason, like why, as to why that is. Yeah, Uh, it's because no one's playing them. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, Okay, and because a single player actually got victories with them. Now, to be fair, his tournament uh, was pre-FAQ, so he actually uh, isn't in that data. Oh, what's okay. what's interesting? So um, people have given up on Grey Knights. Well, not everybody. There's like six people in the world that are still playing Grey Knights, and they're doing their damnedest to make it work. Mm-hmm. Um, and post FAQ, we're actually seeing people go three and three. So it's not really too hard to get a, like a, to a, to spike when you were th- almost the worst faction pre FAQ uh, to to get a big boost. I mean, their their uh, win percentage pre FAQ was thirty seven percent. The only faction that was worse um, was Blood Angels, and that was because the last uh, one or two tournaments pre um, 
uh, pre the FAQ change, or uh, they there were several Blood Angels players that just crapped the bed. There was like zeros and sixes, zeros and fives galore that r knocked them below Grey Knights. Um, plus, Eric Lathuris's win gave them a bit of a spike to put them in that's this thirty-seven percent range. So now we've got uh, only I think fifteen. I want to say it was players post FAQ that have tried uh, primary Grey Knights, and they're sitting at a forty-seven point three five, which is actually relatively admirable. Um, that's uh, getting in that range of, uh, you know, or at 45, I should say, 45.48. It's getting in that range where someone might even think they're good. <laughs> uh, I don't don't think that, by the way. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, with a T-whip of zero? I don't yes. think that's in, near <laughs> in any danger of being good. Don't, don't <laughs> just look at win percentages, guys. That's the I think that's the lesson oh, I'm trying geez. to get across. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, and for those of you who are new to this this uh, podcast, uh, T Whip is a tournament. You know what? Actually, Peter, you're much better explaining T Whip. What is T Whip than than me? So, sure. So, T Whip is tournaments in winning position. It's actually Toop, but it sounds stupid. So we say T Whip, and it's any um, faction. It, we I count the amount of times a faction has gone at least four and zero in an event. Um, and then I compare that uh, to all of the other factions that are going 4-0 over a particular uh, time period, and you get a percentage. Um, you, what you can do then is compare that percentage to how uh, to the factions like overall um, a use, say, representation. Yeah. So an example uh, that we might go over here soon is uh, pre-FAQ, uh, Asuriani or Eldar, uh, uh, Craft Worlds, had a 4.63% uh, list percentage, so they were represented you know, roughly one in 20 times in the battlefield. And they had just over a 5% T-Whip, which is, you know, a really, um, I would say a really balanced uh, view of things. Uh, that's kind of what you want. Something somewhere within about a percentage point um, of their representation to be in those top fours, those four and O's. Hmm. Now, I, I do have a question for you, Peter, because I, I'm going through this data and noticing that there's no Imperium, no Chaos, no Eldari, basically no super factions. Uh, even though since the recent ITC vote, uh, those are there's now there's now more of them. So is that something you're going to have later data on, or is that something? Basically, what do you do with the Imperium lists and the Chaos lists and stuff? Sure. So I don't care about um, Imperium versus Chaos versus um, forces of the Hive Mind, and it's not, I shouldn't say that. That's really harsh. Uh, what I mean is uh, that I don't care. Uh, I, it's really hard to process data on, um, uh, like relevant data on Imperium versus Chaos when those lists can be so dramatically different. Um, so my goal when I try to, to, uh, to calculate this is to, is to narrow it down at least a little for people. So okay. when I say that, um, say Craft World Eldar has a, uh, 51.74% win rate. What I mean is uh, lists that are predominantly Craftworld Eldar. So of all of the factions that are in that list, the majority is Craftworld Eldar. Um, that is where I get that number from. I have considered and will probably in the next week or two, uh, time permitting, add a um, like an overview filter to the main list so people can just like click and see that Imperium is at this or... Uh, chaos is at this, um, but for now, I'm I'm really more focused on 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 determining on trying to balance or see the balance in the the uh, uh, the word is escaping me here the like the meta changes within each faction 
um, overall. So whether that means that you played 1500 points of custodies with 500 points of guard, or you played pure custodies, um, it, it doesn't mean a whole lot to me. Um, it, to me, they're both custodies. That being said, I did add a filter recently um, and to, and at several columns for people, if you go to 40k stats, where you can see how the factions are performing at mono faction versus uh, quote-unquote soup. Um, so you get an idea of how certain factions do when they don't ally. Yep. Okay, perfect. Uh, so for any of you who are wondering why the super factions weren't a thing, that's why. Uh, so let's go ahead and go back to the these uh, win percentages here. Uh, your two top top factions right now, uh, or top lists that people are currently winning with, are uh, number one Imperial Knights, have the 56.38 win percentage, and also uh, their T-Whip dropped from almost 12% to 10%, or to almost 10%. Um, so Knight lists aren't going 4-0 as often, and I do imagine that the death of the Castellan um, is a part of that. And I do say death because there are significantly less Castellans than there are now. Um, it's probably not completely dead. Oh, you know what, Peter? You're the stats guy. <sighs> prove me wrong. No, no, no I'm not going to prove you wrong. So, twelve percent of lists prior to the uh, the Castellan nerf uh, had Castellans in it on average over those uh, three or four months, and now we're down to about four. But it really didn't. Uh, that nerf didn't really impact knights so much as no. it impacted guard. Um, Imperial Knights, uh, their win rate has gone up relatively dramatically when you consider how high it already was. Uh, Pre-FAQ, they were at a 53.89%. They're now at a 56.38, so it's a 2.5% increase, and they were already at the top end, so that's uh, pretty significant. The T-Whip drop, um, where now it's roughly on par, where it, where it was uh, much higher before, um, a little bit is Castellan in that you're now seeing less like triple knight where a Castellan's involved, or double knight uh, with a Castellan. Um, you're seeing that less and less on the field. It doesn't perform as well as, say, Triple Crashed Crusader. Um, so a little bit that, uh, and a little bit more, um, a few of the other factions have started to really spike, and they're just taking some of that percentage away that had been in the Imperial Knights' hands once in, in getting to that top four, top five uh, position. Uh, notably, right. Chaos Space Marines uh, and Adeptus Custodes really skyrocketing in those in those numbers. Right, right, and and you're absolutely right because and um I I completely forgot that the Castellan list or the big boogeyman list of the last year uh, was actually an Astro Militarum primary list because it was mostly Astro Militarum. So uh, you're 100 percent right there, and also uh, Astro Militarum saw one of the biggest drops uh, in a 5.39 percent win percentage drop. So it went yes. from having a winning uh, percentage a winning win percentage to a losing win percentage. So it went from 51% to 45.87%. So that's a yeah. massive drop. And that's something that we had, uh, that I had started to trend uh, prior to the Castle and Nerf. Uh, I don't, I don't know if you remember a few times I, I, I did some, uh, some deep diving to see how guard was performing without the Castellan, just on the, uh, the, you know, the auspice that this was going to happen, that the, the knight was going to jump a hundred points or that, you know, would uh, lose something big to make it function. And th their win rate was 44 to 46% uh, month to month when no Castlin was involved. So it's not surprising that Pure Guard is sitting at uh, like a almost a 46% because that's kind of where it was. It, it's not to say it isn't winning. Um, there are a number of people doing very well with uh, like triple tank commander builds. It's just for the most part, um, they're allying in something that's that's you know more than a thousand points. Like they're doing like twelve hundred points of custodies, 
and they have 800 points of guard with, you know, three tank commanders and whatever else. And then there's people like Brandon Grant or Reese Robbins that are still performing relatively well with the pure guard lists. And we are seeing them um, show up uh, often more in on the European side rather than in North America. Hmm. Uh, one thing I, I'm kind of interested by is the the relative low impact uh, Azriani and Drukari had with Inari basically being gone as well. With the Inari list basically being gone. I noticed you don't have Inari up here as a faction, which is understandable because, you know, they're a mix of factions. Uh, but so the Azergani or, or Craft World Eldar only dropped by 0.3%, which is nothing. So they're still above a uh, they're still above a winning win percentage. And then Dark Eldar actually rose a little bit from a 53% to a 54.45 win percent rate. Um, do you is there any other stats that kind of like show why that is, or or is everyone just kind of running, doing still doing well with Eldar basically? Well, one thing I would say is, um, and uh, I'm sure Sean can talk this better than I can, is that like the Eldar Flyer list was barely touched in the FAQ. I mean, there was a, a very large update done to it, but it really didn't do anything to the list, right? It it said that now you can pass through it if you move, but don't charge anybody because that won't work. Um, and there's not a lot of uh, units that actually just have the movement speed to pass through it um, that don't already have fly. So it was a minimal change, and so people that are capable of move blocking properly with that flyer list, especially when you combo it with enough wave serpents or um, other backup, um, have been performing like absurdly well in the, in the tournament scene, and uh, so they've kept that uh, that you know Eldar number uh, pretty high. And Drukari, a lot of them have swung to, and we'll talk about it later, to going pure faction, which was something that that had been performing pre FAQ. But has actually gotten better um, uh, now that they don't—they're not relying on the um, the Doom and Jinx combo off of Eldar for some reason. So, uh, Sean, what, do you, what are there anything you you're taking away from this this kind of early win percentage data that we've looked at so far? Um, I honestly like. As much as I love Peter's stats, I think looking at win percentages, or at least specifically win percentage itself, as a way of understanding factions is not actually very useful. Um, you, we often see very powerful factions with very low win percentages. You know, Orcs is a great example of that. Um, are a fantastically powerful faction, but their like their actual win rate is like just under fifty percent. If I'm it's all it's actually below 57 now at this point um so one thing i would say to that is sean is a hundred percent correct and that's why yeah. what i said earlier right um you got to look at more than just win percentage you can use win percentage as a gauge to try and figure out like where the meta is swinging but it, i find it's less uh less reliable for how good a faction is and more reliable for saying you know what are people uh, how are people adjusting to the meta and uh yeah. using orcs as an example I don't find that orcs, other than a, a top few players, which we've seen recently win, like Scott DeWinter Wilkie won uh, the Amiable Bright uh, Kelowna GT last week, Rich Kilton winning Gentleman's GT, uh, the Gentleman's Major this week, Ben Jura coming in third. Mm -hmm. um, like orcs are still performing extremely well. But if yeah. you look at the bottom end, a lot of players still haven't gotten over, say, the loss of the Luda mob up. And so they're still playing a very static list that performed. Uh, at Renegade Open a year and a half ago and hasn't performed mm -hmm. since. Yeah, list delay is real. Like, 
the very top percentage of players can kind of turn on a dime in, in that respect, but most people can't completely rebuild their list in a month. Um, that's just not going to happen for them. So, like, there is a certain amount of lag there. But, like, stuff like T-Whip and some of the other things are a lot better way, I think, of assessing what sort of armies are actually doing well. Um, and I think a lot of those numbers are a lot more enlightening and, and tend to show what you expect out of things, honestly. Um, you have stuff like Astra Militarum, Craft Worlds, Tau Empire, Orcs, all performing extremely well. Uh, and Imperial Knights also still doing super well. So I don't think there's any like big shocks in that sense. It's like the lists we knew we good were good, it turned out are quite good. Yeah. Uh, sorry, I would just say, I think the one thing you can look at uh, win percentage... Uh really get a gauge for how things have changed is mm -hmm. custodies uh, and it's also shows in t-whip so it's not like you, you you only have to look at the one Custodies, uh 44.79 win percentage mm -hmm. uh, going into the faq they were actually dropping even further that was uh they were still kind of relying on lvo results to get numbers like that um i was i was showing them some months uh, down into the the top the high 30s uh, but post FAQ with the drop of the uh, knights, uh, sorry, the Castellan and the surgeons of this, uh, the Caladius Grav Tank, Telemans, a lot of the beta stuff, um, their win rate has skyrocketed and so is their T Rip. They're showing up all over the place now. Um, yeah. As, yeah. A, as and, a competitive and think, army. And I think that is more um, a, sh a shift in the meta and, and pe what people are taking than. Um, like the actual like lists getting you know nerfed or buffed significantly because like realistically like the existence of the Castellan did not hurt Custodes all that much um but the the sort of like realization that like oh the Caladius is really really good and you can make this really good shooting detachment with it um has pushed them to the forefront sure but yeah, yeah there's also something to be said for the fact that um like the Caladius isn't getting picked up on 12% of uh, the tables, right? Um, I, there, were, sure. there, there was like a triple Gladius list, I remember, that was on, was it LVO stream against a Castellan? And uh, he lost like all three in two turns, and it was like, oh, mm. <laughs> well, maybe this isn't a, a great model. But it really was. It was just, you know, the Castellan fear and the Dark Reaper double shooting fear that uh, pushed some of these models out of the picture that are now like very much in that picture because they were kind of on that cusp. Like everyone knew, I shouldn't yeah. say everyone, most people knew the Caladius was good. It looked good on paper, but it, but anybody I talked to was like, yeah, but a Castellan just picks it up and you're like, yes, okay. I get your point. Right. So yeah. Yeah. Well, it's so, that same as like anything with a five up in Voln is basically dead. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so uh, anyways, so you can, the win percentage is still a cool stat to look at. I would argue even an important stat to look at. Um, yeah. Just, just, but you shouldn't treat it as the end all be all for which which is fair. But yeah, always win percentage. Yeah, win, win percentage at, is a, a good way to assess how a faction is doing as a whole, right. which is a lot more useful for players who are not like sitting at the very top of the pack. Yeah. Um if you are a middle table player, by all means take a good look at those win percentages and kind of like get a feeling for what you're gonna be seeing. Mm -hmm. Um but that's a very different 
sort of usefulness from someone who is potentially in a T-Whip position is saying, like, yeah. okay, what am I going to have to beat round five? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, go ahead. Right. So, so, so we're going to go and move on a little bit. Um, uh, beyond the win percentage thing, I do want to pour one out to my poor Dark Angels homies. Um, oh, man. They're, so, so uh, y- you know, even though win percentage isn't the be-all, end-all, neither is T-Whip, uh, Dark Angels do have a 34% win percentage of, with a f- almost 6% drop from their already pretty abysmal 40% win percentage. Um, and their two hips gotten even lower. Uh, y- you know, I don't know what it is because Dark Angels don't strike me as like an awful codex. Right? Like, I get that they're not, you know, Astro Militarum, Imperial Knights, Chaos, Space Marines, or Castile. I get that they're not like one of the top codexes. Um,. But, you know, previously Grey Knights were probably the worst faction. Now Dark Angels are, are fighting them for that spot, right? Hmm. So w- what do you guys think about uh, Dark Angels? Do you think maybe are, people are just moving away from Dark Angels? Um, do you think the Codex is in a bad spot? Or do you think that, that no one's just no one's using them? I think it is in part the... Um the the shift in the meta that you're you're seeing different things dark angels actually performed very well against the castellan as a whole um you know they had the right tools to deal with that list relatively well um and i also think that the itc faction change hurt them like the people who were playing a you know quote unquote dark angels list before um if you have to play pure dark angels it becomes a lot more difficult yeah and and so, and that is, I do agree with you, Sean. Um, th- that is a, a reason um, why I think a lot of these factions, or why these a lot of these win percentages are are changing. Um, basically, mm-hmm. if your list doesn't do as well as a mono faction, you're. I, I think I've seen people more likely switch to either a a more competitive list because if they're going to be an Imperium, they might as well you know run better stuff instead of trying to win best in faction, or b switch to another faction entirely. Um, you know, I, I don't. I can't speak for all the players in the world or all all the players with poor performing factions in the world. But I know if I were running Grey Knights and all of a sudden pure Grey Knights was what I we had to run to win pure Grey Knights, um, I would, might switch to a different faction just because of how yeah. hard it is to win with pure Grey Knights. Um, but you know, ultimately, I don't know. Um, but I do see that the factions that are standalone that that are do not stand alone as well are performing worths with the exception of custodes which uh the grav tank is singular singularly keeping up keeping their win percentage up well and part of it before was the fact that custodes had one list and it was incredibly binary it's like what yeah. you saw was the like 18 bike list and that list either wins or loses immediately uh, yeah there is there's yeah. absolutely no fiddling room with that so like i think diversifying itself into a list that has more tools has helped them a lot go ahead peter oh i, I was uh, everything that chance said um custodies basically had one list for a long time and just like we talked about with orcs and with other factions uh, people were slow to move away from it uh, when it stopped working um so they dipped uh, you saw foot custodies very briefly there with uh, Trent Northington and a few other people uh, putting up some really good results with them. But that's a that was a, almost a one trick pony list, right? It was mm-hmm. uh, it was get into a position where you can vixel a home or something in that your opponent wasn't su- suspecting like eight to ten wardens or Alaris terminators and then win because you just overwhelmed them in in uh, in one round of combat. Um, yeah. 
And now, you know, now they actually have more things. Um, if you look at the bottom one, two, three, seven uh, armies right now, at least from a win percentage and even from like a T-Whip percentage uh, perspective, um, five of them are power armor factions. And that, that says mm-hmm. something too, right? It's although, Other than Death Watch, most of them aren't performing overly well, although uh, Space Marines have gotten better. Also, let's be fair, if you look at the total number of factions in the game, that's a that's not that far off the percentage of power armor factions. I think power armor makes up like a full 50% of the armies. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm mostly referring to Imperial power armor. Like Dark Angels, sure. Blood Angels, Space Wolves, and Space Marines, the four kind of main. And I'm including Grey Knights in that as well. Yeah. They're all at the bottom, and the only one that's Imperium that's near the top is uh, Death Watch. Um yeah, and really, when you look at their uh, T Whip, they're now not performing. They had been performing extremely well pre fac. Um, now their win rate is fine, so you're seeing them go three and two, uh, even four and one, relatively regularly. But they're not um, they're not pulling off uh, that those late round wins that you you were seeing previously, where they were going four and zero oh or five and zero oh even um, in events. That has kind of stopped. You're now seeing a lot of early losses for them, and then they kind of submarined into a better position. And I think that's actually very easily explainable. Deathwatch can't kill tanks. Exactly. Yeah. Like 100%. with tanks being a really big thing and good tanks being all over the place, Deathwatch actually struggle a lot. Yeah, I was talking to a really good Deathwatch player over at Gentleman's GT. And he was saying that the Caladius Grav Tank single-handedly stopped him Oof. from from trying yeah. to build pure Deathwatch list because he was like, "Yeah, I, I like I got three people that bought Caladius Grav Tanks in my area alone." And I literally can't hurt them with pure Death Watch. Though, yeah. Death Watch players, if you are looking for uh, some way to deal with Cladius Grav Tanks, you, you're determined. Um, Zyphon Interceptor, Death Watch Zyphon mm-hmm. Interceptors can do work. Yeah. Um, the results may vary, um, but they are by far the best option for Death Watch for long range anti tank shooting. Well, and. So. Uh, just another thing to throw out there is like everyone always talks about the Caladius in terms of its role with anti-tank. It's really easy to forget that thing also throws down like 20 AP2 shots if it wants to. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. It chews through marine space marine bodies. So you're like super expensive intercessor squads and, and your three up invuln, you know, veteran squads are just getting demolished by this thing that, that puts out just, you know, 20 wounds on them. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's a, it's no, it's, a, it's, it's still tough, killing, you know, six or seven of with. those guys with storm shields, right? And that's that's the unit in the end. Yeah. So, yeah. All right. Uh, so we're going to go and move on to the uh, best in faction impact. Um, so people, can we talk about have. something else? Can we talk go about ahead. something else? Go let's, ahead. Let's, let's just step back two seconds. Uh, I want to talk about average first round loss real brief, because that's another oh, yeah. really good stat for determining how a faction is performing. Um, and you can see, I just wanted to bring up a two things. One, where is it? Oh, my brain. What did I do to you? <laughs> uh, we've seen some pretty wow. interesting changes here. So Thousand Sons uh, was a faction that had been performing relatively well uh, until LVO, actually. And then people kind of dropped off of it as a primary faction. But if you look, it's already up to a 2.19 uh, average ra- first round loss, which... Mm-hmm. Um, for people that are wondering, this is the average time you you get to your first loss um, in a tournament. And what I've noted over the last about year and a half of, of tracking this is any faction that's uh, within that two round two range, they're generally a very competitive faction. So anything higher than that, the higher you go, 
um, the more impactful it becomes. Um, and can saying I, that, can I point out that or unless you're going to the uh, what was probably the exception here? Yeah, sure. You can go right ahead. Okay, because uh, I was just looking over this and I realized because I was like, I wonder who's the highest here. Um, Eldar Corsairs. Yeah, but that's because it's one guy, Samuel yeah. the Good. And he's, well, he's and actually, also, yeah, relying on a list that is basically a Del Dark Eldar list. Uh, yes, exactly. kind of just spams a single transport and squad. Yep. Um, so outside of Corsairs, um, Gene Stealer Cults is absolutely absurd. And that, by the way, that's across yeah. the board in all statistics. Um, really, my best, my top pick for a faction that is probably a little too strong right now. And we're going to talk about some lists that are too strong later. But um, Gene Stealer Cults is definitely it. Um, a 2.45 average first round loss is Man. almost as high as Anari was. Um, just as it was falling off of its peak. Because Anari got up to like a 2.9 at one point, which is absolutely absurd. Um, yeah. But even then, 54.8% win percentage. There are 9% of total T-Whip and only 4.5% uh, of uh, total lists. Mm -hmm. That is bonkers town. Those are numbers that, uh, that somebody needs to take a look at, in, in my opinion. More than anything... Uh, Gene Steeler cults, someone should uh, maybe cock an eye their way and say, what's happening here? Um, I think, funny to note, um, last week on Stat Center, we had a couple clips of Nick Nanavati talking about his Gene Steeler cults list, and one of the things he said really kind of stuck in my mind when I was doing these stats, and that was that he'd been trying to playtest test lists to find the best Gene Steeler cults list, and he was having a hard time because he couldn't lose with them. Yeah. And um, and any variation he tried to put together, he was just winning. So he didn't know what was what he what he could do to improve because everything worked. And I think numbers like this really show that. Yeah, their reserve mechanic is incredibly powerful, and they have so many strong strategies and characters that allow them to just pull crazy shenanigans. It's certainly possible to beat them, but it takes a really good player. For sure. And I, I like I'm not trying to say that they're broken and uh, maybe it sounds that way and that uh, every their whole book needs to be redone. I'm just saying they like uh, they are something people need to watch out for. And GW maybe yeah. needs to take a look at a couple of the things that they're fa that their book. Maybe we need to tone it down slightly or boost a couple other factions up to match. Right. Um, yeah. Because, yeah, yeah they're, I, they're in a I think really you can place. make a, a solid argument that. Gene Steeler Cult do need some small nerfs. Um, well, we can, like, it's, I think it's fair to let this, this whole thing play out a little bit further until we hit the fall FAQ. They're not, like, ruling the world, but they're definitely a top contender right now. Yeah, and, and so, so here's the other thing, too, right, is I agree that they're definitely top contender, um, and they definitely love the fact that Inari aren't running around wiping out giant units for mm -hmm. free. Um, but I, you know, I don't even know if they're in. I don't even know if the Gene Stealer Cult list is in like the top three best lists. I would, I would say it is. I don't know. Um, I mean, well, so we'll talk about this. We'll talk about this yeah. later, right? Because um, we have we have uh, some win percentages on specific lists uh, and how well they do. And <clears throat> I don't know. I don't know where Gene Stealer Cults are. Also, no one's figured. No, it seems like no one's figured out Gene Stealer Cults, right? 
So on the one hand, mm-hmm. I see those the Gene Circle lists with the Vultures. They look really good. And then you've got uh, Nick Donavati with Muscle Beach and kind of like the the fat kind of like infantry heavy uh, Gene Circle lists. So now you've got Frankie going five and one with a three large units of bikes and another kind of weird um, acolyte hybrid heavy Gene Circle list um, that uses a lot of a lot more characters than normal, which is our, which is kind of saying something because he has a lot of characters already. Or their mm-hmm. lists have a lot of characters already in it. Well, so I mean, you can you can look at overseas. Carl Abramson has been dominating everybody, uh, basically east of the UK with his Gene Steeler cults, and he runs all sorts of bonker stuff. Like, um, I think the last tournament he ran sixty, and he went six and zero. Oh, so yeah, it's and I would argue that all of that is more a point in favor of how powerful the army is because there are so many powerful builds that you're not restricted to just like one obviously best build for sure yeah um, anyway i know pablo really wanted to get moving on to other stuff I, I, by the way guys i'm sorry stats just get me excited i could talk about like one thing for two hours really <laughs> yeah you could maybe oh, yeah. do a show on it <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, so so let's go ahead and talk about this best in faction impact so as i understand it peter this is the impact that the itc faction vote had on the meta and what people are taking correct yeah, so uh, a couple things here. This uh, I can't say for sure that these numbers are a direct result, but it's um, it's very clear that they had at least some impact on these numbers. Um, uh, so April 13th, everything rolled over in the ITC world after a vote, and it was decided that in order to win your participation award uh, in ITC for Best in Faction, you had to run a pure army. Uh, so 100% of your list had to be of that ex- uh, specific faction, with the exception of Admech were allowed to run a single knight, and Gene Stiller cults were allowed to run one Brood Brothers detachment. Uh, forgive me if I'm missing any of the uh, exceptions there. But I oh, believe those assassins. were the... Oh, yes. Uh, well, if you took the Assassin's mm, yeah. Stratagem. Yeah. Yeah. That didn't count. But uh, Or um, summoning. Summoning. Yeah, bringing models in after the list, after list step is, is but, different. Yeah. But in terms from a list set perspective, it had to be pure ex- with those, except for those two exceptions as far as I'm aware. So That is um, correct, I believe. Yeah, so I went back through all of my data going back to LVO and tagged every faction that was mono-faction using those results and uh, then created this little ugly table because I didn't have a lot of time to make it pretty. Um, that shows just how many lists uh, pre-change and post-change uh, were mono-faction, like the percent for each faction, and what their win percentages were, uh, both pre- and post-change uh, for that particular faction. Um, from this, you can extrapolate a, a decent amount of data, um, and it also shows just how uh, some of the like the Dark Angels and a couple of these other factions did see a dip, and, and part of it w- is probably because they're trying to play mono-faction versus uh, souping it up. Um, mm-hmm. Hold on. Before we, before we go on, dear God, did Blood Angels really have, pure Blood Angels list really have a 17% win percentage? So, Pablo, I'm going to tell you a little secret. <clears throat> Are you ready for this? Hold go on. Go ahead. Go ahead. So if you don't, if you only have two smash captains and fifteen scouts in your list that are performing, you have to find fifteen hundred points that can do something. And uh, for <laughs> months now, that hasn't been a thing for Blood Angels. <laughs> so nine people, these nine people, um, powered through it in the dark days of uh, pre best in faction change, pure Blood Angels. 
and uh, more power to you guys. Big kudos for Owen Bissell, uh, fr- a friend of the podcast and a really well, also awesome a guy. Yeah, mm-hmm. because he has tried his damnedest to make Blood Angels work. I have seen that man fight through blood, sweat, and tears to try his hardest to make pure Blood Angels work. And, um, like, he has struggled. And it's, and it's, in like, he's been playing, like, some people, when they say they play Great Knights, they're playing with one hand behind their back. I really honestly believe that if you've been playing pure Blood Angels, like, you're just not playing with hands. Um, oh, no. Like, you're oh, I'm just... sorry, like... I know Blood Angels struggle, and I absolutely feel that, like, yeah, a lot of their units are not great. <clears throat> Grey Knights are garbage tier, even compared to Blood Angels. Yeah, so there, there were nine people... So this is an interesting comparison, right? So there were nine people, uh, pre-Best in Faction change, nine people running Grey Knights, or nine mono-faction Grey Knight lists, and also nine mono-faction Blood Angels lists. Mm-hmm. With uh, Grey Knights, with there only being 22 primary... Or 22 detachment Grey Knight. Oh, wait, actually, never mind. 22 primary lists, yeah. Right, so um, Grey Knights have a 23% win percentage in that time frame, and Blood Angels have a 70% win percentage. Now, I know we're racing to the bottom here. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> I get and, that. And we're also dealing with small numbers. Like, let's let's be fair. Right. I mean, we like, joke around sometimes about some of these numbers. They are very small. Uh, 100%. It's not, but it's still, it, it, it is something to look at. Um, yeah, it's not... <laughs> Neither, I don't want to fight over who's the who's worst, worst, because that's... <laughs> mm-hmm. They're bad. <laughs> I think both need love. But anyway, if we, if, if we want to talk, like, at the pre versus post, which I think is a little more important, a couple couple things that I noticed. Uh, one pre, uh, best in faction change, there was only really one faction that did better mono-faction than it did when you souped, and that was Adeptus Custodes. They actually had almost a 51% win, uh, win rate. Uh, when they ran mono custodies, hmm. um, which uh, uh, we already noticed uh, earlier, kind of in that pre fact zone, which these overlap relatively well with, uh, they were sitting in the low forties. Interesting. So, so that was that was a big thing. Post mm-hmm. uh, best in faction though change. There's a lot uh, to look at. Um, the percentages for most factions increased dramatically. Um, overall, there was, if you remove Tau, Necrons, and Orcs, because they have to be mono-faction, um, and uh, Adeptus Titanicus, um, you're looking at um, 20, what was it, 26% of all lists were mono-faction pre-change, and now we're almost at 42%. That's so cool. That's, yeah, so a lot of people have jumped on this uh, best in faction change. Um, and by the way, um, I know that a lot of people may come up and say, but like their lists are incorrect in BCP, so they're not reporting right or whatever. Um, like, I deep dived each and every one of these lists to make sure that. So, oh my god, uh, you monster. So what I'm showing here is legitimately these are I might be one or two lists off because I'm not a, I'm not a robot I'm not Brandon Grant I haven't developed that uh, cyber connection yet um, but I did my damnedest to make sure this these numbers were as accurate as I could um, so yeah so I mean let's if you let's take a look uh, Sisters of Battle up 26 percent in terms of uh, the percent of mono faction play uh, Space Marines only up six Custodies up 25 percent. Uh, they went and uh, I'm talking about gross, not uh, not like an overall. So they went from a 21 percent to 46 percent of their lists. Um, <clears throat> Blood Angels went from 28 percent attempting to 48 percent. So, so so before we go on, to be clear, this is the percentage of of 
for example, we'll, we'll use uh, Adeptosaurus because they're on top. So this is the percentage of Adeptosaurus lists in all of the ITC, or not the ITC, on all the 40k events that you that you grabbed. Um, <clears throat> the percentage that that uh, of lists have uh, between mono and mixed. So, for example, if you're if yes. your Adeptosaurus is 55.88% mono faction, that means that the rest is uh, not mono faction for those lists. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. So, like, a big one, um, if you're going to look, is... Oh, never mind. I was looking at the wrong number. Disregard. Continue talking amongst yourselves. <laughs> That's okay. Um, <clears throat> so, uh, go, ahead and, uh, go ahead and keep going. Sorry, sorry, Peter. I didn't mean to... Sure. So, there's been a number, a, number, a number of other big jumps. Uh, Blood Angels, like I said, 28 to 48. Uh, Admech went from 35% of their primary lists to 64%. And on both sides, I am including that single knight plus the custo- plus the, uh, the cult. Uh, so they do get a little bit of a, a bump from that, right? Because they can uh, at least dive into one extra book. Um, and also Admech has most of the tools it needs within its own, like, book um, sure whereas like space marines kind of is just like what flavor of power armor do you want um admech actually has a bunch of very different units within its own book so even if you ignored that knight which i think most of the the better admech lists i've seen don't actually run the knight they just run pure admech because it has so much internal synergy yeah but yeah, like they're they're very oh, good sorry. at playing by themselves, basically. Yeah, and I think you see the same with Drukari. And yes, added on to the fact that the FAQ made uh, like Doom and Jinx no longer work. You had thir- just under thirty one percent of the Drukari players were running mono faction pre change, and now we're at almost sixty one percent, and yeah. their win rate went up seven percent. Yes. Drukari are and always have been a very good standalone book. It's just for yep. a really long time there is that strong incentive to run a single baby detachment of craft worlds. Yeah, and, and Drukari and Junser Cult are actually the only mono yeah. faction codexes that are actually have a winning win percentage as a mono fact as a mono list. Uh, mm-hmm. The rest of the the rest of the mono lists don't have a fi- over above a fifty percent win percentage. So that's of, also interesting. Of factions well. that aren't uh, that can't that have to be mono. I mean, uh, uh, Tau does as well. But yeah, I'm not counting. Yeah, I'm not counting to. like orcs and Tau because they don't have allies. Yeah, or like Necrons. Yeah, but but you see, like I mean, Harlequins, eleven percent of lists now, sixty two percent are trying mono. Mm-hmm. Um, like, there's a lot of uh, really interesting data here, at least from that perspective. Um, it's not exactly in most cases helping their performance. Um, you can see that in most cases their win rates are eh, yeah. not as good, which I mean is to be expected when you give yourself less options. But um, yeah, it's just it's it's uh, some very intriguing stuff that's happened. So I so, do want to give a okay. go ahead, Sean. You, you I, should I was, go before me. Well, I was I was going to say I, I wanted to sort of put the question to the panel here. Um, what do you guys think, in in your experience, is the feeling on the the ITC? Uh, faction change um, because I, I like obviously a lot of people are playing it and using it but that doesn't necessarily mean they like it um, I think there has been a fair amount of pushback on it in my experience is a lot of people are not necessarily happy with it that doesn't mean everyone but I'm, I'm curious to hear what you, you guys have heard from people Peter you can go first sure. so for, 
for the most part, I've, I think I've heard the same thing, Sean. Um, there's a good amount of the people that um, I talk with that wish that there had been other options, essentially other than just the um, stay the old way, which wasn't super effective because you could really cheat it um, yeah. or going pure. Like they wish there'd kind of been an in-between. Um, yeah. And I, I hear that a lot. Um, that being said, there is a, a large, uh, uh, probably a, a large group that I, I kind of hear on the off sides things when I'm like w watching Twitch videos and such mm -hmm. that seem to be really into the idea of going pure. Um, and I just think that I don't walk in the same um, circles as they do regularly. And that may be why uh, the majority of my experience has been with uh, people that don't like the change, just like you. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think that <clears throat> overall, the the vote was was very, very much in favor. One was very skewed one way. So people clearly wanted more mono faction lists and less soupy lists when it came to determining the best in faction. Um, so I think that uh, the number of people that we've heard complaining about has slowly been dying down as things have kind of normalized, which is, of course, to be expected. But it's also uh, kind of interesting because I think the desired effect, the desired positive effect that we wanted is there. Uh, we're getting more mono faction lists um, and... And although it could have probably done, been done better, obviously, because nothing's perfect, um, I think it's overall a very positive thing for 40k tournaments in general. Um, that's it. Really good job towing that company line, Pablo. I'm very impressed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you, just out of curiosity, Pablo, do you think people would prefer uh, something like Peter suggested, a more... Uh, mixed approach that might be, you know, you need a thousand points or you need fifteen hundred points as opposed to being completely pure. So, so um, obviously, I'm, I'm part of the ITC and part of Frontline Gaming. We talked about this at length, um, and you, you know, I think people do prefer, would prefer something like that. Um, but the, I think this would be one of those things where uh, everyone would want their cake and eat it too but also everyone would be allergic to different kinds of cakes and have different cake preferences. So ultimately we had to pick the cake that the most people would be generally happy with. Um, and so it was very a very bland vanilla cake that um, <clears throat> had its flaws. But um, I think it was probably the safest way to go. Um, you know, it's just... it. I, I think we probably could have spent a lot more time hyper-analyzing where exactly the points, you know, falls where, where people consider a list to be actually mono-faction. Um, but it's a very difficult thing to do when you've, when you've got, first off, a large community of very passionate people and also um, a company, you know, in GW that has pretty much uh, put into the game that, you know, allies are a thing. Like, so mono-faction isn't really something that GW like like encourages so right you know so we don't have a we didn't have a standard to go by right in well, terms of well, in terms of like uh so it, you know to, to answer your question um, i do think it's something people probably want I, whether it's the majority of people i don't know because mm -hmm. i do know that um a lot of people were griping but even more people were either staying quiet or being positive um so you know without an actual 100 percent accurate poll i don't know for sure what people exactly want Sure. I was I was just sort of curious because like it is potentially possible that, you know, 
coming up on the next time around that the ITC could hold a vote on, you know, do you want pure or 1500 points? Yeah, or, uh, or, or something whatever like point, that. Yeah. Like that, that becomes a much simpler poll to have. Uh, and I, I get the feeling from the folks I have talked to, which, as Peter notes, is not necessarily a representative sample, um, that a lot of people would have been happier with a in-between option. Yeah. Mm. Um, and, and I, I agree. I think, I, I think that's fair. I think that's fair to look at without... I, I can't I can't comment whether that's actually 100% true or not, but I think that's probably well, yeah. fair. We're, we're fair speculating here. We're talking because, heads. It's what we do. Because did. Obviously, people want, obviously people want the most ideal thing, um, although maybe the most ideal thing might not always be the best thing or might mm. be the mo- the feasible thing to do. Um, but it's tough. Uh, and I to will move- say it is easier to see. It, it's easier for a TO uh, yep. when they bother to look to correct, uh, which guys, come on. Mm-hmm. Right. You're not, you're not counting like 1,750 points. You know, you're not. Exactly. Yeah. Like you're just you, like, you know, is everything the same? It is. is okay. Let's is move it? on. Okay. Now, unfortunately, not every TO does that. <laughs> and it makes me super sad. Not every attendee submits it right. So it's tough. Um, but overall, uh, I think the monofaction change was positive. We're seeing more monofaction lists now. I, I think it's cute. I, I, like, cute. I, I, the, I calculated the <laughs> numbers. True. I mean, you can see that like it's actually had an impact uh, by the looks of things, at least. It may be that there that there is no connection here, that you know, correlation does not equal causation. Maybe, you know, double the people are playing uh, pure uh, Sisters of Battle because they went bonzo at uh, Games Workshop and bought all of their models. Right. Um, who knows, right? <laughs> so, so one, one... Highly unlikely. Two factions I do want to give a shout-out to, uh, and I kind of alluded to this a while ago last year um, about both those factions, uh, and that's uh, the most souped factions, uh, Chaos Demons and Thousand Suns. Uh, Chaos Surprising. Demons, only a 15, or 15.69% of all lists that have Chaos Demons as a primary faction, right? right? Uh, Correct, yeah. yeah. Are actually pure Chaos Demons, which means uh, if you're running into a Chaos Demon list, or probably mo- more likely a Chaos list, um, it's, you have a uh, very, very low chance of it being actually a pure Chaos Demon list. Um, yeah. And the same goes for Thousand Suns, sitting at an 18% of all Thousand Suns lists are uh, actually mono-faction Thousand Suns. Um, and it's probably shocking, yeah. but they ally with each other all. Yeah, I was going to yeah. say. Oh, yeah. The Chaos Soup is If, is if you're seeing a, a non-pure list that includes either Chaos Demons or Thousand Suns, it probably includes both of them. It probably mm. has Chaos Space Marines in there, too. Probably has... Maybe. But I <laughs> but, would pretty much guarantee that it has those two together. I, and, I mean, you did skip out on um, Imperial Knights with their 16% mono Imperial Knights, yeah. yes. I was just about to move I was just about to move to Imperial Knights next. Because um, I was going to talk about the soupy. So, the, the soupiest of soups in Imperium and Chaos are still saying stoopy. That's just the way it is. Um... But in general, the lists that couldn't soup very well um, are just going pure. And look, I mean, look at is. those Space Wolves. They're still trying. Seventy, Almost mm. 75% of Space Wolf players are trying to make it work pure. And if you talk it's to Mitch Pellum on highest. the right day, like he is pretty sure you can make it work. It's just the players haven't started it yet. Yeah, yeah <laughs> I don't know. Mitch I, has a lot of really <laughs> cool ideas, and he really likes Space Wolves. 
but he really likes space wolves, <laughs> and I think that maybe bleeds into some of his decisions. Yeah, they're it, not. It's really good. funny. I'm sorry, guys. Because they're the most. Because out of all the factions that can actually have a mono faction list, like basically non orcs, tau, or necrons, um, space wolves have the highest percentage of uh, chance of being a mono faction list, but mm-hmm. yet have one of the lowest win percentages. At, um, I feel 30s. like that probably has something to do with They're, each other. They are you, you Space Wolves players are as stubborn as your Primarch. Let me and, let me just say that. And I love you. I, I mean, about I about as likely to be drunk at a tournament. <laughs> I did. I did happen to say uh, when the, uh, just after the Space Wolf Codex came out, about three or four months later, uh, Space Wolves were the first and only Codex to get released, and their faction actually got worse. Yeah, that's yeah, that's and that's still holding true. Um. <laughs> they actually had a better win rate without a without a codex. Now, just, I mean, it's just anyway. It's that's just so funny. funny. Yeah. That is really funny. Um, space story of the space wolves. Um, we got to have like a, a song of ice and fire joke with like space wolves and blood angels. No, we don't. Being the worst. Thing. It's got to be an episode one day. <laughs> yeah. Like, how do we make those two? Anyways, so anyway, so moving on. Um, I, I think Peter. I would. I think I would love to see. And uh, let us know in the comment section slash YouTube comment section slash Facebook group anywhere anywhere you want to message Peter. Um, what percentage of the soup lists uh, are people souping up? Basically, um, I'd love to see a breakdown of the soup lists and and the faction breakdowns within soup lists. I, I think that'd be super cool. I, I don't um, understand anything you just said. I think it, I had a stroke, but I think I, if you ba- can work it out a little better, ba- basically, basically. Um, uh, what percentage of uh, Chaos Suplists have Thousand Suns, Chaos Demons, and Chaos Space Marines? Okay, yeah. yeah. What, you know, the, the, what the relative components yeah. of a super? Uh, like, yeah, yeah, I can see. do that. That's 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 no problem. That's all yeah, jokes. I think I would love that. Anyways, uh, let's go ahead and move on to um, the rest of it. I, I see a pre and a post FAQ uh, win percentages and, and average victory points and all that. Um, <clears throat> is there any are there any big changes here that you wanted to note before we move on to the top lists? I mean, we talked about win percentages. We talked about uh, T Whip. Um, just let's take another quick look at T Whip to see if there's anything we missed. I mean, I, I touched on it. Chaos Space Marines huge spike um, in uh, T Whip and uh, list percentages. Something that I I mentioned uh, earlier this year when we were talking about what we expected to do well post FAQ, and I was pretty sure Chaos Space Marines would take a giant jump, and they definitely mm-hmm. have. Um, they, they went up six percent percentage points in, uh, T whip, uh, post FAQ and, uh, they've almost doubled in, uh, representation on the table. Um, and I mean, Lord Discordance, uh, Abaddon, all big reasons there for why that happened. The purge is disgusting. Flawless host is disgusting. Lots to talk yeah. about there. Um, did I miss anything else? Oh, one little cute thing that I didn't send you cause I was still trying to work out the, the correlations on it. Um, Victory points across the board have gone up post FAQ hmm, by like, like a good like, amount. Like people scoring points, like yes, people ITC? are scoring a, on average about one to well one point five to two points more per game uh, than before, uh, you know both what? on the winning and losing side, which is actually like a significant number. You know what, community, good job. You're getting better at forty k collectively <laughs> as a whole. Good, or people are just killing stuff more, but yeah, no, it's, no, uh, no, no, Peter. They're they're learning. They're they're all okay. learning to get more. <laughs> I mean, on the one hand, I I kind of think you're right. Like, the natural progression of most games is that the player base gets better over time mm. as more knowledge is disseminated and people just sort of learn in general. But on the other hand, I think that 
there is certainly an element of like some of the ITC changes and stuff having an effect on well, that. What if if for some reason Eighth Edition sticks around for another five years? I it's wonder if uh, sh- if for some reason it does. I wonder if the average victory points scored, if nothing else changes, goes up even higher. And people look back at 40k five years from now, and it becomes like the four minute mile in like the Olympics. Whereas like mm. like 40 years ago, the four minute mile was like this rare thing that no one could do, wasn't physically possible, and now like kids are doing it in like middle school, right? So, uh, <laughs> so- <laughs> to, to touch on that even a little more, so uh, pre FAQ, I had seen I believe two 30 30 ties. Um, Post FAQ so far, um, in the in which by the way, post FAQ's only been six weeks, guys. Uh, we've just had a billion tournaments in these last six weeks. Like I've been, yeah. I've never been busier. I basically every week, with the exception of last week, I've had six GT or major events that I've had to do some kind of coverage for. Nice. Um, but uh, I'm now at seven thirty thirty ties and one thirty one thirty one tie. And whether or not, like, I know some people talk about, like, that's very high, yeah. possible collusion, but regardless, like, like, scores are getting stupid now. Like, I'm seeing even a lot more of these, like, 35, 29s, where I'm like, how, what kind of game was this? We're evolving. As a, as a 40k community, we're evolving. The, yeah. Pretty soon, we'll have the 40-40 tie. Physically impossible, I know, but it's going <laughs> to happen. I believe you. <laughs> I don't. We'll have the forty-two, forty-two max point tie. We'll have no idea how it happened, but <laughs> no one will question it. Just like every other time. <laughs> yeah, uh, I I am definitely skeptical of the thirty-thirty tie. It's technically possible. It's so hard to it's... do. 30, a 30 33 tie is like because even yeah. if you and your opponent for all six rounds go kill, kill more, hold more, then alternate on the kill more and the hold more, so you get. That's 18 plus 20, that's 30 points. That means that you and your opponent, uh, your opponent killed more and, you're, and you held more for six straight turns um, without running out of stuff to kill. Yeah. Um, you no, know, it's, it, it's difficult. Like, I mean, the, the, the highest tie you can get is a 36 36. <clears throat> um, and that would require also both of you getting the bonus point every turn. So mm-hmm. that's so crazy. That that and that's impossible in most in most of the missions. So like a yeah. thirty six thirty six is like in a very specific mission where you're you trying. Your opponent, yeah, yeah, you, yeah. You're, you're, you're trying, trying to get a thirty six. Both trying to get a thirty six is collusion. A thirty is just like very ridiculous. very surprising. You, you, yeah. Anyway, so um, I think that's it. Um, one thing I do want to know: uh, if you the average the average um, uh, victory points is around. What, what what what's the average victory points? Is it twenty two forty three for a win? Uh, the average right? VP. Well, here, let me get you the grand total. I think I, I've got 20? I've got it right here, but it might be the wrong thing. So post FAQ, it is twenty one point two eight. Okay. Yeah. So you you need to be scoring, you know, over twenty. 22 points to to like that should be your baseline right and that's maxing your secondaries and getting kill hold more for five turns or kill and hold for five turns um so that should just this is just a real quick tip for the itc missions um make sure you're shooting you're shooting for 22 points a game right uh and if you're if you don't feel like your list can confidently do that um maybe there's a couple secondaries you can't do uh maybe you have a hard time killing things or whatever you should rethink your list 
Uh, oh, and, and sorry, so, that was the old one, by the way. That was that twenty one point two was the old. It's now twenty two point four three. That's okay, well, that's where it's gone. Okay, twenty twenty two point four three. Either way, um, when you're practicing gold fishing, uh, make sure you're shooting for that twenty two point that twenty three point mark. Um, and if you're not consistently hitting it, then you know you need to work on your game or your list or whatever. Yeah, you're a bad player, and Pablo has called you out. Wow, if you can't goldfish to 23 points, you're in trouble. You know, I goldfish against myself all the time, and I always get 36-36 ties. <laughs> I'm a champion. Weird. Real weird. <laughs> um, anyways, uh, let's go. now let's go into this. Uh, I know you guys really want to hear this. Um, so we have a list of the top factions. Um, hold on. You mean the lists? The top lists? The top Currently? list. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's it's. Uh, it, I was looking for them in the group because I forgot to put them in the notes. Um, sure. Peter, why don't Why don't you take away? So there's three lists that you gave me, uh, and then yeah. a fourth list that's um that's doing a little well. farther down as well. So go ahead, go ahead and hop on there. Yeah, sure. So brief explanation. Um, so I get a lot of emails about like how is this list doing? Um, this list seems really scary. Blah blah blah. What is the new Castellan list? Um, I get the, I get this stuff a lot. So what I did, uh, I deep dove over the last couple of days, went back into every list to to check their numbers, and I kind of created these uh, four uh, quote unquote big bads that we see that we're seeing uh, quite frequently in the uh, top fours at tournaments, um, and I grabbed their uh, overall win rates. Um, now these are just, uh, templates, kind of like the Castellan list, quote unquote Castellan list. It wasn't just one list, right? It was the Castellan plus guard plus blood angels or plus, uh, three dark angels, like talent masters or whatever. Like it was, it, it, it was based around one to five models that made the core and then whatever you wanted to wrap around it. Um, so I went and grabbed the, uh, triple Caladius, uh, list and its iterations, uh, that have come up post FAQ. Um, Eldar Flyer Spam, post-FAQ, Triple Lord Discordance, and the uh, Triple Crusader list. So these are four lists that I see quite frequently performing very well. And I kind of deep dove and grabbed as much data as I could on them. So um, I'll go through each one. I'll talk about like the, the little changes I made to them, uh, to like what I used to make them fit uh, my particular um, my outline for that template and, and uh, discuss. So uh, let's start at the bottom and we'll move up. Uh, the one with the lowest win rate, but the biggest representation is this, uh, double slash triple crashed crusader list. So I've seen this list 78 times post FAQ. Um, this list is generally, and I took a, a few different examples, but it's generally either two or three crashed crusaders, um, often with a gallant or a warden or both in that list as well. Um, and then they've got either like a Rusty 17 backup or a Loyal 32 or both to get them enough CP to do what they want to do. Uh, so this list has a record of 243 wins, 171 losses, and 8 ties. It puts that at about a 56% win rate, um, which is, you know, uh, quite high. It's, it's, it's definitely up there, especially given how often it's played. Um, if you check uh, the top fours at 40k stat center, you'll see that it shows up pretty frequently in that second, third place, you know, four and one, five and one uh, scenario. Mm -hmm. So that was one I get asked about quite a bit. Uh, there is also a, a House Tyrannus variant that I hear does very well in the UK. I'm sad to report it does not do nearly as well as the Crast version, um, even though it is a little bit tougher. 
Yeah, and and if, yeah. You've been, if you've been listening to this podcast regularly since the start of the year, um, you will note that we've been talking about this list kind of uh, for a while, just like in passing. You know, we never did like a complete deep dive on it or anything. Um, but yeah, triple triple night crusader, double night crusader with crass the crass trait uh, absolutely wrecks um, smaller vehicles and larger vehicles too. Um, but you know, just the extra one damage get a- adding on to the already ridiculous two damage Gatling cannon um, is just absolutely crazy. Uh, it works in close combat, so stomps do a lot better, do a lot more work. Um, and now that the Castellan is gone, uh, these Crusaders, which originally were being taken to combat Castellans because they were so good at killing Castellan lists, um, are now being targeting are targeting things like other knights and grav tanks and tank commanders and other things popping up um, now that the Castellan has fallen. So it's it's a very good list. It's well positioned. Um, it's actually a list I'm going to be switching to for the rest of the month. Um, it's not. I'm not going to be running. I'm going to be running a variant of it, but it, it's the idea of it is you know. So anyway, so it's it's a good list. Watch out for it. Yeah, it's really strong. It has a couple back-breaking matchups, though. Just lists that it has no realistic way to beat. Uh, and chief amongst them is Gene Steeler Colts. Um, that list, against a well-built Gene Steeler Colt, just can't win. Um, because... You just don't have the, the firepower to remove that many bodies? Oh, no, not at all. Um, it, it certainly can kill the bodies. Its problem is that the Gene Steeler Colt Alpha Strike kills two or even three knights in a turn. Um, it does not have the screens to fend off a flamer bomb, uh, because the flamer bomb will drop in, clear all of your screens, and then that same turn bring in the heavy hitters. Um, and if, especially if you're talking like a muscle beach list or an acolyte spam list or a demo charge list, um, each of those units will kill a knight by itself. Uh, yeah. Yeah, like the the yeah the five or ten rock saw those will kill a knight. Um, so it just as good as that list is, it just rolls over and dies to Gene Steeler Colt, which is a big problem. Mm-hmm. And it's probably why it's it's sitting at a fifty six. But like I said, it's I wouldn't call it a gatekeeper. I think it's stronger than that. Um, you will see it yeah. gatekeep a, a number of tournaments. Um, but it it is it is still very very powerful. And I wanted to bring it up uh, because. Um, you're going to see it everywhere. I'm um, 80, yeah. like 78 lists over six weeks. That's, uh, that's a lot. That's not it's a small also, number. It's also a very easy list to build. Like yeah. it's not at all hard to get three knights and, you know, 35 infantry models. Exactly. Yep. All right. So let's go to the second, the second list, uh, with the second half sure. percentage on this. So this one, uh, second low, uh, second lowest slash, uh, relatively high is a list that, uh, you've seen at BAO. Um, it also won the Bad Moon GT. It has come in the top four, uh, three or four other events. Uh, num- it won the Bug Eater GT, which nobody knew actually happened, uh, but was a major that had, you know, 60 people show up. Um, and that is the uh, double slash triple Caladius Grav Tank list. We've kind of mentioned a couple times here already. So for this list, I was looking for lists that either ran three Caladius Grav Tanks and then whatever else they wanted to tag on to make it work, or two Caladius and a Telemann. Uh, that was my kind of criteria uh, because uh, two Caladius Telemann, very similar in, uh, in its strategy. It's just one model, a little, little less mobile. You're sacrificing the mobility for a little more uh, endurance. So, just 
quick Sorry. question. Out of curiosity, did you see any triple Telamon or double Telamon plus Caladius lists? I didn't did see those just... double Telamon <laughs> Caladius. I did see triple Telamon lists. They okay. did not perform very well. There's only been a couple, one or yeah. two. And there's been a couple uh, double Telamon as well. Like, like, it, it's only been like three, maybe four, if you add them all together. And okay. all of them have performed poorly. Yeah. Um, so that's not the way to go, apparently. But two plus Caladius tanks, and then whatever you want to add on to it, that seems to be a, a special sauce. Because I found 34 lists in the last six weeks. They've had two major wins, one GT win, and they've had two uh, other like uh, top table finishes. Um, their record is 110 wins, 70 losses, four draws, almost a 61% win rate, 60.87%. Um, and this, the general variant is, um, there's two big ones, one being, uh, what Jeff ran at BAO. So there's a lot of copycats coming out with, you know, maybe a one or two model difference, but essentially that, and they're doing just, oh, I shouldn't say just as well because they haven't won, but they're doing, you know, four and one, four and two. So not bad records. Um, and then there's a list, uh, that I've talked up a few times with people out of the UK team Draco, uh, several of their players ran it. And uh, you saw it uh, this week, actually, I believe at least one player ran at a gentleman's GT and went four and two. And I believe a player went four and one at Carolina Crusade with it. And that is the Housecraft Crusader with mm. uh, three Caladius Grav tanks, a uh, shield captain on bike, the Vexilla, and then um, uh, two Vestroyan Punisher tank commanders. So the list uh, is just all about murder shooting. It uh, works very well in tables that do not have a ton of terrain or things you can hide behind because that's just a brutal amount of shots. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, it's won a couple tournaments in the UK. Malik Amin Rubio and Conrad Bartkowitz have both done exceedingly well with it. I believe there's a guy named Adam. I want to say Adam Foot, but that's going to start a whole thing just like a Jeremy Marigold in Australia. I'm quite sure if I say his yeah. name wrong. So we'll leave it at that. So anyway, it's... Uh, it's very strong. The, the Caladius has definitely shown up. I've seen a lot of people arguing whether or not it's uh, too strong a model or whether it's properly pointed. I think in the, I think it probably is a little bit too strong, but not like drastically so, like some people are making up. Uh, some people are like, it's the new Castellan, and it's not there because there's definitely people losing with it. Um, it's just, yeah. it's, you know, maybe 15 points too he heavy, 20 points too light, whatever. Um, nothing dramatic, but it is performing for sure. Like 61% win rate is nothing to scoff at. Yeah. And yeah. And, um, it's, it's probably the, the model of the, of the year so far in terms of, uh, in terms of, um, new models that, that people weren't using before and now they are. Yeah. Um, it, it, well, yeah. although the, uh, the second model we're about to talk about is definitely, is definitely competing with it. And I think that those two models combined have already really shaken up the way we're, we're, looking at 40k and designing lists um but yeah the caladius tank is sold out on forge worlds so don't try to go there and buy one it's sold out uh they're on ebay selling for like 200 bucks you know or whatever <laughs> right obviously at the markup but um anyways they're, they're really good it's a really good core um if you haven't already tried it i would definitely if you could get your hands on three uh yeah if you should. if you want to go to russia they'll sell them to you for like 11 dollars. they'll snap in <laughs> half it with a the wrong look but i mean other than that relatively the same not, not that we condone any such activities. No, made of uranium, probably, uh, from Chernobyl. <laughs> I watched the series. Um, oh, yeah. I think yeah, that's yeah. in the credits. There's, there's a Caladius tank in the in the, <laughs> the credits in Chernobyl. Anyways, let's go uh, anyway, on to this. So, so I number three list. Cat. Oh, no. So, so the number three list. I did say earlier that it would surprise you. Congratulations. I don't know how it click. surprises people. Shh, 
congratulations, you got clickbaited. It's not actually that much of a surprise. It's triple or discordance. Uh, coming in with uh, 19 lists, 3 event wins, 3 top 4 finishes, 67 wins, 34 losses, and 1 draw for a beautiful Inari level, not quite Inari level, 66 win percentage. Yeah, 6.17. It's good. It, triple or... And the thing is, is I... The... I don't know what your criteria... I hope your criteria was just Triple Lord Discordance. Um, because there's Correct. so many flavors of Triple Lord Discordance lists, too. Yeah. Right? Like I it, was I was going to say, like, three less three Lord Discordance is a way smaller investment than any of the, the other lists we've talked about here. You know, you still have 1,500 points to play with at that point. Yeah. These, these 500 points are devastating, especially with Flawless yeah. Host, which make up the most... One thing I will say about this, uh, this a lot of this is off the back of one Austin Wingfield and his Chaos Stroganoff list. Um, mm-hmm. Well, that's what I'm calling it, by the way, uh, is Chaos Stroganoff, <laughs> because Stroganoff is a delicious pasta. Um, and uh, yeah, in uh, Austin's list, which is the same list that uh, Jeff took to Gentleman's GT, has been uh, performing off the charts these last six weeks. I mean, Austin's taken it to, I believe, five events and has gone 22 and three with it. Yeah. It might be 23 and 2. Um, yeah, so like a lot of that uh, performance is on his back alone. Then you tag on Jeff's performance at Gentleman GT going 5 and 1. Don Hoosen um, running triple Lord Discord. Don Hoosen going yeah, yeah. 6 and 2. Like it doesn't take a lot for this to get out of hand, but you can see where the like these models are performing. And I don't have too many uh, losing lists with them. Generally, it's if they go off of the uh, flawless host beaten trail into, say, uh, Alpha Legion. I've seen a couple uh, Alpha Legion attempts that didn't work out as well. Um, not to say that it can't. Uh, Alpha Legion has so many tricks still um, that I'm sure you could make that list work. But, um, yeah, people are really driving this Chaos Stroganoff. Yeah, yeah and and so if you, it's competing right now with Chaos uh, players with Jim Vessel's list, right? Which I imagine is probably one of the more common chaos lists in, in terms yes, of being competitive yeah. um look for this list it's going to start popping up everywhere now unfortunately that also means that the win percentage is going to drop because as more people play it um naturally more bad players will start lowering that win percentage also Ooh. as more people start playing it'll it'll start going down just because you have more variance and more parity um so you know look for the win percentage on this list to drop below the 66 win percentage 66.17 percent win percentage but also, that means that there's going to be more triple Lord Discordance. So um, from now on, if your list can't kill three Lord Discordance uh, or can't deal with three Lord Discordance, um, you might want to rethink your list if you're trying to be really seriously competitive. And I would say not just three Lord Discordance, but three Lord Discordance and uh, two to three other major threats, because that's the key yeah. to this, is that they're amazing. And like Sean said, they're like 540 points for three of them. And then you have, you know, almost 1,500 points of Mortarian or Lords of Change or whatever the hell else you want to bring that you now have to pick your targeting. And the Flawless Host version of that Lord Discordance, you know, moving 28 inches uh, and then doing whatever. I mean, Alex Harrison also posted a, a ridiculous uh, result with this. He won the um, SlagCon Invitational with the list and mm-hmm. came in second at the actual major. Um, yeah, it's it's devastating. Uh, I I doubt you have this number just offhand, but even just like an intuitive guess, what what are the relative percentage of people running auto cannons versus bale flamers on those? 
I don't have it offhand. I'm sorry. That okay. I do, no, I do not I mean, know. it's such a weird kind of niche so, question. I'm, uh, I'm very curious about that because it's, it's an argument I've seen a number of times and one I've had with myself a lot. So, I've definitely seen both. I'll, I'll tell you that. I can't okay. tell you which one is getting uh, the more uh, – has more legs. Fair enough. All right. And now let's go to the number one list, the uh, – <laughs> the number one list with the highest win percentage. It also has a, a respectable 30 lists scored. So as the, there's only 19 triple or discordant lists, there's 30 lists of this list. And uh, as opposed to 34 triple Caladius lists. So, and that is Eldar flyer spam. And that mm-hmm. is an Eldar list with four or more flyers, um, two wins, five. And I'll let you explain the rest, Peter. Yeah, sure. So, uh, for Eldar Flyer Spam, I went with, they had to have at least four flyers, so not just a single detachment, because that is a very common list as well. It's probably even more common where they run, like, triple Crimson Hunter or triple, um, Hemlock Hemlock Wraithfighter, uh, or some combination thereof. But, uh, what I was looking for was that kind of, that magical four or more. Um, and they've had two tournament wins in the last six weeks and five top four performances. Uh, the record is 98 wins, 45 losses, 7 draws, 67.7% win rate. Um, it's it's really good. And it's, uh, yeah. it's gotten better post-FAQ versus pre-FAQ. And that was with what some people thought I saw as a nerf. So It is technically a nerf. Like, it yes. made them worse. The But like we talked about at the time, it wasn't actually by a lot. It's actually quite hard to move through those bases with a unit that is big enough to matter. You can do it, but you generally can't do it on the charge, depending on the rulings of your particular TO. Um, it's just... it, And honestly, a, a smart flyer player will still be able to position such that you won't get to move through them. Mm-hmm. Um, it just means they won't be able to do it quite as aggressively as they could before. Yeah, I, I agree with Sean. I don't think it was a real... I don't think it was a nerf to make you stop running them. No, nope. um, by well, any it didn't means. make me stop running them. So. No, but it should have been. Is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> uh, because so, so, oh, go ahead, Peter. All I was going to say is like this list has been performing for a while. I did some numbers at LVO for it, and it was you know something silly like a 68 percent win rate at LVO with the five or six people that ran it. Um, yeah, let's. Like, it's, I mean, it's, it's no. Go ahead. I'm just going to say it's been performing for a long time. Um, this was the list that I, I kind of. Hate saying it like this because it sounds like I'm fear mongering, but I feared would uh, become too strong because we'd be so focused on the Castellan and uh, Inari that we'd yeah. ignore, like say this list and you know, triple knights um, in favor of of fixing those. Um, and I was pleasantly surprised with the fact because they did touch on a lot of things that I think some people assumed they would ignore, like uh, you know, uh, mobbing up Ludas and uh, some some of the Jeans still are called shenanigans, but mm-hmm. they really left flyers untouched, and it was. Probably the one weakness of that last fact that I that I uh, that I saw was how yeah. how little they touched them. Oh, yeah, and and also just to expand on that a little bit, like we talk about this as though it's like a relatively recent thing, but this like Eldar multi flyer list has been around with varying degrees of success since the very beginning of this edition. Yeah, exactly. Um, this was a list that. I took to the first BAO, like right after the edition dropped, um, and also to the second BAO, um, and like it has been around and do getting in wins of varying quality for a long time. Yeah, and and so so here's a, here's a question I want to post to you two. Now I agree that, and you guys took the words right out of my mouth. The Eldar Flyer spam list has been around 
since 8th edition began. It's actually been around since before 8th edition began, since the playtesters, you know, figured out Hemlock mm-hmm. Wraith Riders are really, really good. Yeah. Um, y- you know, it. it's... The thing is, is I distinctly remember us not mentioning it a lot on the podcast. Um, also, I... I its previous role before it, its real rise to dominance was as a gatekeeper army. Um, and, and that, I think, I think that's true. I'm not sure. Um, but I remember from the stats, I, I don't, I don't remember seeing a lot of Eldar Flyer spam lists actually winning the, events, although they did win events. The earlier iterations didn't run with the, um, Dark Eldar Flyers, the mm-hmm. Razor Wing specifically. Um, and the Razor Wing provides a really key role in that army by Perfect. dealing with infantry. So, so my question to you two is, since it seems since this has been around technically for a long time, um, what what's changed? Is it just the Castellan getting nerfed? Um, is it the Bliss running differently? Like, what's what's the deal here? It's a bunch of stuff. Um, I mean, Peter kind of mentioned that, like, you know, a lot of other lists got hurt, but it mostly did not. So that was a factor. Um it is that Eldar have just sort of been good in general. Like, this list has basically always been about this good. The thing is, Eldar just had better things. So, mm-hmm. like, you killed off those things, and the Eldar players all kind of shrugged and said, well, I guess I'll just run my second best army instead. Um, which, as it turns out, is still better than a lot of player other armies' best build. Um, the meta is in a good place for it. Um that like the the ver- the specifics of the sort of things that p- players are bringing uh, match up very well to give the Eldar Flyer spam list uh, a very strong matchup against them. Uh, I think there's a lot of fl- flavors at play here. Um, so it's not just that like oh they changed this thing in the FAQ and that made it too good. Yeah, and I agree. I I I don't think it's I don't think uh, the FAQ made it too good. It was already very good. We just had, like I kind of mentioned, there were other things that were way bigger and scarier, or that were, if not scarier, um, like more in your face that we that needed to be dealt with. Yeah. And it kind of only got kind of just like a, a a brushing in comparison. And when you, if you think of like the 40k meta as a like an ecosystem, right? If you remove a predator or, uh, you know, add a predator to a situation, everything changes and sometimes dramatically. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had a couple big predators pulled away. So that's why all of a sudden yeah. you see, like I mentioned, Caladius Grav Tanks show up when people thought, you know, oh, they're okay. They're probably good. But, you know, a Castellan and uh, Dark Reapers pick them up or, you know, mobbed up Ludas pick them up. Well, now those things are gone, so now you can play a Caladius. Now you look at, uh, you know, six Eldar Flyers, and you're like, well, you know, it almost won LVO, and now the thing that beat it at LVO is gone. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, there's, <laughs> I think there's a lot of that. And that's something people do fail to recognize about a lot of things, is that any kind of change to the game, no matter how small, echoes across a lot of different things. So if if all you do is change the point value of a single unit, that seems like a very small change. It actually can have incredibly wide-ranging effects. Yeah. Um, absolutely. Uh, do, are there any other lists that you guys think will maybe rise? Um, obviously, the meta's still changing. 
Uh, do you think there's any other lists that maybe didn't make this list um, that that people should be aware of, or do you think there's any lists that are sleeper lists or sleeper units um, that that you kind of will predict will do well this summer? Tau. Tau. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Tau have at least two and maybe three or four major builds that I feel have a good win percentage against most of the field. Um, yeah. They are much more vulnerable to individual very bad matchups, kind of like that Night Army we were talking about earlier. Um, but if you just don't run into those, or if you can you know, get lucky enough or good enough to overcome those, um, Tau are sitting in a very good place. And if I remember correctly, they have some extremely high like T-Whip numbers and whatnots. Yes, recently um, yeah, they... They're like almost like, 10% or something. Yeah, after, like, pre-FAQ, uh, they were doing well. Um, they were definitely no slouch. Post-FAQ, we're seeing some pretty big numbers, uh, especially coming out of the Southeast, out of, like, uh, the Brohammer team, yeah. uh, pulling up some some big stuff. And then on the West Coast of Canada, um, there's, uh, and West Coast in general, we're seeing some very unique lists coming out and performing, like that Triple Sunshark Bomber list uh, last week that I think got third or fourth place. Yeah. Um, like we're seeing, like you said, there's three or four uh, Tau lists now. It's not just that same kind of triple Riptide, maybe a broadside or two stuck in there. Um, Firesight Marksman and and troops. Now yeah. you're starting to see a lot more tanks coming. Um, like Long Strike's yes. made a return. He's in a lot of lists. Even without Long Strike, you're seeing like these like three to six tank lists where they're ta- they're starting to bring back Sky Rays. Um, Seeker yeah. missile spams becoming a thing. Uh, like, there's a lot of unique stuff coming out of Tau uh, that's not just the norm, and it is something people need to be aware of because they're doing very, very well. Yeah, uh, Tau are um, easily one of the sleeper armies, and like we talked about, Gene Steeler Cult earlier. Yeah, um, the fact that Gene Steeler Cult was not featured on our boogeyman list here. I was not... just about to. Yeah, I was going to say, Gene Steeler Cult are incredibly powerful. I would argue possibly the strongest codex right now. But, uh, like, I admit that is certainly a subject that is up for discussion. Uh, There are several other strong contenders for that. But certainly if you are looking at an army that is trying to top four or win a tournament, you need to be thinking about Gene Steeler Cult and Orcs. Yeah, yep. and I mean we guys. never <laughs> we never really talked up Jim Vessel and TJ Lanigan lists, but I mean they're the top two players in the in the yeah. ITC for a reason. Um, it's just you know a lot of people. The reason why I brought up these lists is because they have like the top win percentages in the last you know six weeks. Right. It's not to say that all these other lists that have been winning have stopped. Um, right. You know we're just getting a lot of people that are running them and kind of dragging them down. So you're going to see them at all levels of the table. Whereas these lists, you're kind of you, you can more expect near the top end at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, so so uh, my prediction is, um, I just got a quick little one. Gene Sir Colt and Drukari are both rising. They both have similar win percentages, similar usage, although I think Gene Sir Colt are probably used less, but uh, it's mm-hmm. also picking mm-hmm. up as well. Yeah, yep. people as are more people buy Sir the Colt. army. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I think that uh, out of those two armies, I think that Dark Eldar are, are going to become, like, one of the top three. Oh, really? Lists. I think they're probably going to hit a 60% win percentage. Hmm. They're just, they're so good. The, you know, their anti-infantry shooting is really powerful. They've the been up there tanks, before, too. It's true. They, they have. They have been up there. The grav tanks, the grav tanks don't really scare them that much. Um, the warden, the, the night warden list, can, I imagine, can be pretty rough for Dark Eldar. Yeah, um, the, um, the warden list, or even just... Uh, 
Yeah. The Gallant, because Gallants pick up Venoms like nobody's business, right? So. Oh, they'll pick yeah. up two Venoms easy, yeah. Yeah, but the the Dark Eldar, I was, I was speaking to a couple really good Dark Eldar players earlier, and then um, one this weekend, and uh, they just do a lot of work to Chaos lists, like Jim Vessel's list. Like, oh, a yeah. really good Dark Eldar player can clean up so a list like Jim Vessel's list. Maybe not necessarily Jim Vessel, but he is a completely different beast. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't know if Lord Discordants are going to be come such a thing that Dark Eldar players are going to like you, you know get pushed out. So I don't know. So anyways, yeah. I think Dark Eldar I think Dark Eldar are going to be possibly the top one of the top factions. I think if, that's a safe assumption. I think you yeah. you think you're 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 onto something here. Yeah. For yeah, sure. They're they're quite good. I don't think they're maybe quite as good as Pablo does, but they're obviously a very strong army. Yeah. Uh, this is not that's not to, you know, poo poo Dark Eldar. It's like <laughs> they're probably a top five or six codex there's just so many strong contenders right now oh yeah it's it's actually a really diverse meta yeah it's really Um, it's really really good for those of you who only played eighth edition this is not how the game has been for most of its history no um if you look back to seventh or sixth edition you could pretty easily pick out like three or four top lists and nothing else could realistically beat them Um, yeah whereas in eighth edition you are hard pressed to pick less than a dozen Absolutely. And Uh, what I would say um, is I think we're at a very good point in this game where we really just need to bring up five or six factions. I don't know if we even need to bring down that much, like maybe slight tweaks Mm -hmm. to a couple of the ones we mentioned earlier. But if power armor can get some kind of love, uh, maybe vehicle chapter tactics, I don't know. Um, Mm -hmm. All of a sudden, you're like five of your bottom six lists move into like a 50% all win rate. And now almost everybody is in a really good spot, and that's pretty spicy to me. Uh, Renegade Knights are one of the bottom lists. They are getting a codex very soon. Oh, like, man. that's yeah. super awesome. Hopefully Blood uh, Ravens, when it comes out in that index, is absolutely <laughs> broken, and you can steal everybody's relics, because that would be hilarious. I would laugh and laugh. GW, Blood get on that meme. Are just going to be a carbon copy of Blood Angels. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. But <laughs> they can steal if they can steal your opponent's relics, I would... I love it. I wouldn't even care if that was like a thing you could do. They still like the gem or something, the Slanesh gem. I'm like, haha. Anyways, no, they're just um, required to bring thirty-two drop pods. Oh no! <laughs> oh, no Steel not like rain. <laughs> so, uh, and that—that's another interesting point, Peter. Is um, out of all the factions, I think that can be affected by the vehicles getting chapter tactics. I think Space Marines have the most to gain, and if vehicles do get chapter tactics, uh, I mean. Nothing stopping like a double repulsor Gilliman list like Aaron Towler uh, is running already from just but, absolutely stomping on people. But the repulsors with chapter tactics does absolutely nothing. Oh, if they could if you give them Raven Guard, they could be minus one to hit. You know, obviously you're not taking Gilliman. At okay, that point. yeah, but Gilliman. Uh, but I, I here's what I'm saying: is they don't have to be the same guys. Sure. What if we no. what if we do like guard and they have yeah. different ones? There's yeah, there's cool a too. lot that can be done with space marines. We've discussed this in private a number of times, and we could easily do a whole episode. just yeah. talking. Let's just game say, theory. Yeah. GW fix space marines and their brothers. Yeah, the although end. renegade knights are going no be more hard. episodes. Yeah, <laughs> re- renegade knights um, are, are absolutely going to shake everything up. Renegade Dude, knights are going to be very. They look very, amazing. Very, they're going to be very, very good. This is this is speaking as someone. Uh, it just, just trust me. They're going to be very, 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 very good. Um, oh, I see what you're saying there. <laughs> it's, it's just. Well, I mean, think about it. 
think about it logically, right? The the knights were, knights are already one of the top performing factions. Chaos are one already one of the top performing factions. Uh, renegade. A lot of people already have knights. Like just just renegade knights or knights. Pablo, in I'm really bad at math. You're gonna have to really break this down even harder. Can okay. you explain it in a way that does <laughs> violate your NDA? Uh, ba- basically, <laughs> yeah, basically, that's what I'm looking for here. Can it, you just tell me their re- stats? Re- and basically, <laughs> renegade renegade players. Oh, I can tell you that. And stratagems. Yeah, re- renegade no, knight players or chaos players have are, have have been chopping at the bit for uh, something like a renegade knight, right? So you triple lord discordant and then a renegade knight of pick your flavor with whatever flavor yeah. you can you want. make them house crashed yeah i was gonna say triple <laughs> lord discordant cool. and then three gatling knights done Ooh, that'd be rough that'd be yeah. with, with potentially points left over for like 40 plague bears so you're saying they're getting a points Ooh. decrease i got it gotcha <laughs> pablo well, well, <laughs> gw police at the door <laughs> the, the point the point is is that um, they're already an easy tra- easy model to transition to for chaos players because they've already had them since seventh edition. I agree. Um, so you know, just giving them anything really, any good buff or increase is definitely going to shake things. Can you up. give anyway. me an example of a good buff that you may or may not have seen? Well, um, anything really. Yeah, she's oh, probably anything. not. That's All right, okay. you're yeah, you're not playing the game with us. All right. <laughs> Let's let's do some questions. I want to do a question. Yeah, yeah we have some. Let's do let's do some, questions. Let's do some questions. Okay. We've talked for forever. This is the longest episode we've ever had. No. <laughs> not. But anyways, you're joking. Anyway, all right. So let's go ahead and go to the the Facebook group. So, um, uh, for those of you who are just tuning in, um, first off, thank you for sticking around for almost two hours. You're an absolute amazing human being. Yeah. Go to bed. To us. Go, Ignore go the to rest bed. of this. Stop driving. Go to bed. Oh, dear. <laughs> Forgot some people listen to this while maybe they're driving. A lot don't maybe go to bed. Pull maybe over pull first. over first, then stop driving. <laughs> Just stop. Um, yeah. Anyways, so uh, at the end Let's of every episode, the rapture. We, we, go through, we go through the Facebook Patreon uh, chat, and we go in there and we ask questions for the patrons post. Um, and we do this every week, every episode. And this week we're starting off with Mr. Robert. Uh, he's oh. in the process of starting an admech army, and what he hasn't seen... Human being. Almost any Whoa. success with them meta-wise, which is actually true. They've actually been dropping in performance. Um, Have they? Yes. According to the oh, stats. Interesting. Yeah, I know. It's weird, right? Uh, or at least if, not that he's been able to locate. Don't worry. They haven't been around, Robert. How are they doing currently? What major flaws do they bear in ITC tournaments currently? So the second part of that question, um, we'll go ahead and answer. And Sean, I'll let you take it away. What major flaws do Admech have? Um, as a faction... Um, they're a little bit vulnerable to melee. Um, we, we have so many fast melee armies around that Admech can struggle because they're a shooting army at the end of the day. They do have melee components on like something like tower, uh, maybe even guard, depending on how you build it, but they, they are largely a shooting army, so they can struggle a little bit with orcs and some of these other very quick moving melee things. Um... They also have a similar issue to a lot of armies where, like, they have a couple really good matchups and a couple really bad matchups. Uh, so running into those really bad ones can be extremely problematic for them. Um, but I think that actually is more an issue of builds than as the faction as a whole. Uh, because they do have the tools to handle just about anything. Hmm. Um, so, Robert you're actually in a pretty good place. There are some really good admec armies out there. Yeah, uh, yeah. I would recommend, so, Robert, sorry, if you have the chance, take a look at what uh, Kyle Thompson, Sile Thompson, 
he spells it with yeah. a C. I don't know um, what he's been running because he's been running an almost pure uh, cult mech army in the last couple events that he's been at. He was mm-hmm. uh, he was well known for starting up the um, uh, Samael on Corvex with uh, two slash three Talon Master lists and doing yep. very well with them. But he's since moved to essentially pure Admech. Um, and he's pretty stoked for them from what I've heard. So he's a guy, if you want to check some of his, uh, send a message in the Facebook group or whatever, I can see if I can find his latest list for you. Uh, but he, he's been doing work and, uh, and putting up some decent results with them. So I think that's yep, someone yeah. you can uh, take a look at. Rob yeah, Porter out of Alaska has also, also um, so- I don't think he's won anything with him, but he has placed relatively well and he's a very good player. Yeah, and and I think another thing with Admech, um, and this is like a little bit of a misconception here, is that they they suffer from ESS or easily splashable syndrome. Um, yeah. So I think there's a lot of Admech units being played right now in Imperium lists, uh, other than the rest, just the Rusty Seventeen. Uh, mm-hmm. However, you know it, they're a harder army to build around, and people are more likely to to put in like Knights Guard, just all the good Imperium stuff. Uh, because they pair so well with Admech. So yep. um, if you want to do really well, pairing Admech with other Imperium elements is easily some of the top lists. Um, but if you want to run a pure Admech list, although less people are doing it, it's definitely still viable. And yeah. keep in mind, um, you're about to get a flying tank, and those are generally good. Yes, that thing is going to be... It's almost certainly going to be great. I haven't seen any numbers on it or anything, but just the fact that it is a flying tank is pretty Pablo's huge. sitting here like, it's... Yeah, it's like 298 points. <laughs> it's complete garbage. So uh, n- next up, Mr. Shannon wants to know, what are your guys' thoughts about the five Marine Codexes sitting on the bottom of the faction table with a 42 win percent or low? Will Marines' time to shine come again? Mr. Shannon, that's so funny because we th- four months ago now, when Jeff teased the Space Marine stuff, <laughs> we're still waiting for it. Um, it's, so here's the deal. There's some really good Space Marine players, and there's some really good players switching over to Space Marines um, that I'm all I'm trying to work with because I'm working with people. I'm trying to build a network to build the Space Marine list, but it's only Space Marines, so Codex Space Marines. So sorry, Dark Angels, Blood Angels, Grey Knights, and Space Wolves players, you're out of luck. I'm not going to build you guys a good codex. Go- Don't a good say list. sorry to Space Wolves players; they're too drunk to know anyway. <laughs> but um, they're not going to uh, remember. I, I think Space Marines have so many good things going for them. Uh, they have a flying tank with grab that's actually a good counter the meta. They've got beat stick characters. They've got tricks. They've got out of line of sight shooting. They have snipers. They have horde clearing. They they just they have everything. They even have a good bu- the best bubble wrap unit and infiltrators. Right? So they're they're perfectly positioned to do well. I don't know what's stopping them. Um to answer your question, Shannon, I, I think they will by the end of the summer, I think they will absolutely get uh, better i don't know if they'll start dominating i don't know if they'll necessarily shine quote unquote like you asked um but you they have all the tools uh we're we're just waiting for some really good space marine player to take up the mantle and show us the way yeah i think part of it is the players um which is not to necessarily like blame them but to make it clear that like a lot of the people, because a lot of how well a faction does, does come down to who's playing it. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the best players in the game are just not playing Space Marines right now. That doesn't mean that Space Marines aren't at all usable. 
It's just that if something is like 3% better than a, a really top tier player like your Jim Vessel, Brandon Grant, Jeff Robinson, whatever, is going to probably move over to that list rather than the slightly weaker army. Um, so it would be very easy for if those players jump back to Space Marines to suddenly see them take a huge jump upwards in win percentages. Um, that said, I think they're still a little bit below the level compared to most armies out yeah. there. They're, they're also uh, not a sexy army, right? They're not an army that, yeah. that players that top players gravitate towards, you know? Like, you, well, you don't see... Go, go ahead. They're generalists. Yes. Um, and the reality of being a generalist is that it is often better to combine two specialists than to take two generalists. Yeah. Uh, um, and that is a flaw for Space Marines in many cases. You, actually, and to answer your question, Shannon, a little more, I think um, if Dark Angels or Space Wolves or I guess just those two, if either of those two were to get their Primarch, uh, and this is not me. This is hmm. not me speculating so, at all. Pablo, what are you this saying? <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. Two new loyalist primarchs confirmed by Games Workshop. Uh, I, I, yeah. I'm only I'm only mentioning those two because they're the out of those four factions. They're the two with with primarchs that are more, in my opinion, Dear more likely. Jim to come. Workshop. Yeah, <laughs> I so, have a connection that says. <laughs> you, you know, but. Pablo. Like for example, Dark Angels. If if like the Lion comes out and his rules are really good, like Gilliman level, mm. um, that might be exactly what that Codex needs to take it over the top, right? Yeah. Um, so we've you know. started something. There are so many Dark Angels players that are waiting for the Lion to come out, and they will beat you up if he doesn't. If, if you do, <laughs> if you read their Codex, he, they've already confirmed that he's in there. Like he's like he, he's sleeping. been confirmed. He's been confirmed alive for like five years these guys are they they are on the verge of murder i i know some dark angels players and they're fucked up like we think (laughs) slanesh players are messed up dark angels players they're they hold on to a lot of anger like they are just like rolling in it maybe and it doesn't help that we think they're all chaos space marines like they get really mad about that meme (laughs) they take it personal maybe dark angels players are are like you know when a tidal wave happens and the tide gets pulled out and it looks like there's no water and you're like yeah it's kind of like this tidal go? wave of incels that's coming towards us and mm, I mean uh, dark, uh, <laughs> you just not, you went to a thing. weird place my friend yeah. no um, he, uh, <laughs> he didn't mean to insult you guys um, he's just Freudian slip but the dark angels I think a tidal wave of dark <laughs> angels players are gonna come led with the lion like rah the front of the tidal wave like we're good again everyone's like yay or not space wolves too although space wolves players would just keep doing the same thing they do which <laughs> they is do. they do they they losing games throw rust yeah. yeah throw rust right into their list and then that 75 percent will continue to lose <laughs> um so they won't even take stuff out they'll just like lose yeah. their opponents will be like that's 2400 points I'm like, i don't Ooh. care what kind of game is this no but what are you but, some sort of math nerd <laughs> but yeah j- joking aside i think i think um uh, you know, Games Workshop's easiest fix for one of those factions is just to release something cool and new for them. Uh, specifically, Dark Angels. I think Dark Angels are already they're like Space Marines are already there, even though they're they're uh, you know their results aren't showing that necessarily. Um, I think something like a Primarch being released for Dark mm. Angels would, would absolutely revive that codex. Let's bring back Sanguinius. Sure. <laughs> Whatever that too, yeah. Uh, anyways, <laughs> so, for the uh, Dark Angels, <laughs> his so name question. is the Sanguinor, and he's already in the Codex. Uh, Mr. Ian wants to know: Talus appear to be super varied in performing at least moderately well, but is there a clear winner of the different styles? 
um, comparing suit focus to mass shield drones to overwhelming firepower, mass MSU, all the stuff. Uh, that is a perfect Sean question. Yeah, I don't think there is a clear best Tau list right now, uh, in part because the meta is really in flux. Um, there's so many lists popping up and going away that you really have to kind of take your local situation into account when you're looking at building a Tau army. Um, there are several lists that have come up and are still kind of untested at this point, that like they haven't really proven themselves in the long run. But certainly the double Riptide triple broadside list is quite good. Um, and there are some other possibilities that seem to be about on par with it, dependent on what sort of matchups you're expecting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, moving on to Mr. I can't add anything else to that. <laughs> you got to write That's a on. short question. <laughs> uh, Eric wants to know, uh, are orcs truly in as dire of a spot as top players suggest? Um, and which then, top players? Uh, so I, he didn't he didn't mention that. Um, though I I have seen I have seen uh, you know kind of like a general uh, I don't I don't no. want to say negative thing towards the orc pl- uh, orcs are moving good. away from yeah yeah people there people have been moving away from them. Um, some of the better orc players that weren't pure orc players have moved away from the codex to something else. Um, Nick Navadi being the main perpetrator, uh, switching from orcs to Gene Sericult. They're always they've always been good, um, and I don't think they're in any dire of a spot. So I and I think now top players are going to start changing their tunes, right? You had Rich Kilton, you know, have this major win. Um, yeah. Orcs are still perfectly fine. You know, they also, have three GT wins uh, at that same event. Ben Jurek third place with a, with a com- yeah, ben, with a weird different orcs like or Gorkonauts yeah. actually. Um, yeah, uh, check out Ben Jurek's uh, free Buddhas list. It's really yeah. good. I played it uh, in the RTT at BAO and just barely beat it. Uh, but it is a very strong army, and uh, he like talking with him. He said there is at least one top tier orc list out of every single one of the clans, and I believe him. Yeah. Um. Uh. Okay. Uh. Moving on to Mr. Tim. Uh. Tim wants to know why did Fire Raptors fall off the radar? And um. The simple question is, is because their points increase. But yeah. Tim, what's actually true is, uh, every time you lose in a game of chess to me, another <laughs> player stops taking their fire raptor and Ooh. burns it. Uh, <laughs> I was I was gonna say it. I was is, gonna say because a fire raptor <laughs> is an Eldar flyer, but worse. <laughs> no, um, I, I'm just joking. Tim's Tim and I play uh, chess on chess.com. You could actually, if you want to send me Brag. a private message or an email. And, and you want to play a game of chess with me. I love chess. Um, you know, it's like a side thing. And Tim's just playing playing a lot of games with me. You know, just lost like two in a row. So anyway, <laughs> just throwing a little little light jabbing and shade his way. No big deal. Um, and then finally, uh, Nikhil Sina, uh, Mr. Relentless D teammate and a really good friend of mine, uh, wants to know, how does a Daniel Olivas style Eldar list work? And I'll explain that in a little bit. Especially against things like Multiple Knights or the Morty Lord Discord Dink combo. Seems to just get rolled over, but it was a close game versus Jeff. Um, is that a viable alternate way of running Eldar besides Flyer Spam these days? Um, so Nikhil, actually, uh, unfortunately Jeff isn't on the episode, um, but I actually did get to talk to Daniel about his list, and I talked to him again after Jeff, after he played Jeff. Um, Daniel, by his omission says that it's not like a top tier Eldar list. So it's not a list that people should be bringing. Um, do, do you want to clue us in on what that list is? Oh, so I don't, <laughs> I don't know the list. I unfortunately don't know the list by, 
by heart um and you i don't have strikes. my yeah. i don't have my bcp app on me but it, it's basically it's it's an inari list it's i an do Ari, have the an list based list boom peter take it away and i'll explain it after you okay, read it. sorry my internet decided to die on me give me two seconds and i'll have it so up because it's on 40kstats.com Oh, oh okay. okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. He made the top four. But um, so so basically, the the way the list works is it generalized. Is it's it's a very kind of cagey list. It plays all over the place, and um, it features the Autark in the list on the jet bike, and that that model itself is mm. basically the feature model of the that list, not guy the incarn. Super good. Yeah, and so so the way the list works is is you you jump around, killing things, blocking for characters, kind of like playing a very uh, a very finesse style of game um, almost like a Sean Naden game uh, instead of the usual Inari brute force or Eldar flyer spam brute force uh, where you just shoot your opponent's army off the table um, but uh, but Nicole according to Daniel it's not it's not a top Eldar list so it's not I wouldn't maybe call it necessarily a viable alternate way uh, or a replacement for Eldar flyer spam um, it, you know so if you do run a list like his it results will vary so here's the list uh real quick he came in second at the gentleman's gt um because battle points and all that lovely stuff it was a, an ally talk battalion with a fire seer skyrunner a warlock skyrunner two minimum ranger squads and a 10-man storm guardian squad with chain swords he then had three units of three dark reapers with uh, the tempest launchers on their exarchs two wave serpents a drukari battalion that's mixed with two archons uh, 15 Cavalite Warriors and 3 Venoms. And then finally he has a Supreme Command Inari Detachment with the Otark Skyrunner with a Banshee Mask, a Fusion Gun, a Laser Lance, and a Twin Shirt and Catapult, uh, Fireseer, and the Incarn. Yeah, and then he gives it the relic that whenever you kill a character you get an extra attack. Yes. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, oh, yeah. So, okay. so, what he does, so what he does with it is he ping-pongs that, that model all over the board by double moving it and charging and you know yeah. messing messing things up. Well, uh, you and then, can't double move it, but or yeah. I don't know, whatever, whatever. <laughs> I don't. Right. I'm not an Eldar player. He he shoots it all around the board. Um, I believe it can advance and charge. I think that's what something he nope. mentioned. Nope, or oh mind. no, there is a stratagem for Yanari to do that, but it's two that's, CP. That's what yeah. it is. So so he he ping pongs that thing around the board. Um, until it gets uh, unbeatable, um, and I think I remember him swinging like eleven attacks into someone's like vehicle, mm-hmm. like when I was walking by, and I was like, "Oh my god!" So, so he, he kind of features that model, uh, and then plays a really, really KG denial Eldar game, um, where he, he picks picks off a unit or two, holds an objective, kind of like doesn't really try to zone you off, but kind of just throw you off your game a little, um, and then having the Cabal, the Blackheart strategy, definitely helps. Uh, so and it's just it's a really finesse list. It's it's uh, not really a normal Eldar list that you would expect to see. Um, yeah, I'd so, call it a Sean Naden list. It like, is a very much he a Sean plays Naden it list. well because he is a good player, but it is probably not a top end army. Yeah, uh, but Nikhil, you're a good player. I you know if if you're having trouble with Eldar, I would maybe take a look at it and and uh, pick Daniel's brain because he's definitely got more tricks up his sleeve that I just don't know about. Yeah, and he's a really yeah. awesome guy to talk to. Um, I spent a lot of time chatting him up at BAO, and just a fountain of knowledge about this game. So, uh, and I, I'm quite sure he'd be willing to to give you some advice if you're trying to figure it out. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. All right, that's it. Um, so uh, remember, don't forget to hit uh, or to hit me up uh, this weekend or join. Uh, hop, keep an eye on the Facebook group to see my Throne of War coverage. Um, I do plan on going there. Plan on having a great time. 
um, swinging some dice. It should be a lot of fun. Uh, also, the following weekend will be the Boise Cup. So I'm going to be a very, very busy guy all month, like I said earlier at the beginning of the month. Uh, so if you like what we do, go to patreon.com slash chapter tactics. Find more coverage. You'll also be able to get the stats that we talked about in this episode. You'll have access to that, so it'll be a big deal. Um, and of course, go to frontlinegaming.org if you want to buy secondhand items, mats, all that good stuff. If you want to email me and talk to me some more, you can also email me at frontlinegamingpdpop at gmail.com. Uh, Sean, where can they find you? If they want to hear a little bit more about you. Uh, we have our podcast on In the Finest Hour, either on Facebook or you can email us in Gmail. Uh, we also have inthefinesthour.com, which is our website. Um, but uh, yeah, we, we posted an episode this week about playing as attacker or defender, which I think is a really interesting concept. And I'd suggest folks give it a listen because it can teach you a lot about how to play the game. Right on. And then finally, uh, Peter, where do people find out? find you online uh they can find me online at 40kstats.com or um on stat center with uh, my co-host val heffelfinger uh we're going to be recording a new episode this wednesday to release thursday morning to talk about carolina crusade to talk about um gentlemen's gt and a number of other events that happened this last weekend that may or may not have hit gt slash major status but had an impact on the meta overall yes absolutely and as always Thank you so much for listening, everyone. You all are the best listeners in the world. And, as always... Even you. Ooh, thank you. I'm a great listener. Uh, Have a good one. Bye-bye.